All right, we are back live. We had some technical difficulties. We are 12 minutes late. It's okay. Uh, we're melanated, so it's part of our culture. Which sucks, man. Why do black people why do black people get the tag of late all the time? Why is we it? be late all the time? Because we not we, but those before us probably worked the hardest to can't see day, uh, can't can't see day, can't see night or something like that. Sun up, sundown. Picking cotton all that day and night. You, you got to few minutes you can't be late to go mm. back out to the field we also have the credit that black people have bad credit but now you went whole i went from the field being late you i'm just saying <laughs> it's these stereotypes of our people that i think we're changing now though i remember what i remember it? when i, when I worked reason? at the cheesecake factory bro when somebody gave me a american express card i was like yo you're a superhero I didn't know. I was like, I can't get that. I ain't no black people who get American Express cards. No. Honestly, I remember the, remember the first mind. time I saw a thick American Express card, the black card that had some yeah. weight. And I was like, wow, <laughs> money. <laughs> money. Yo, we are here, man. Uh, today we're going to have a really, really good conversation. YouTube, please let us know. Let me see this real quick. Let us know if you have, uh, if you can hear us, if everything is good. If you can, uh, if you can hear us, please uh, share. Um, that you can hear us because we had some technical difficulties a little while ago. But we are going to jump into this conversation. And why are they not replying yet? Heavy talk. They're not replying. They ain't no. Somebody go on my YouTube and see if there's, uh, see if the audio is good. Hopefully the audio is good because we cannot start this conversation um, without amazingness. Is it? Are we on? We are, are we good? On. We have 14 watching. Okay. Let's, let's make sure you can hear us. Listen, it's going to be a very loud and loud clear. And good. Okay. Let's jump into hey. it, man. Listen, we got a couple really dope guests. We are here for free smoke. Free smoke. We are going to give you free information uh, for about two hours, two and a half hours. It might go three. Who knows? I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be very valuable. And we put it at 12 o'clock because there are some people who have jobs and you need something to do other than scroll endlessly on Instagram to get some inspiration and some information before you go back to work. So this is the only show you need to listen to on your lunch break. So we have some two very, very special guests uh, today. All right, what's up? Hi, everybody. My name is Mara Williams, also known as Mara the Magnificent. I am a co-host, co-founder, co-producer, co-owner of Sisters Who Kill podcast. It is a true crime podcast that focuses on black murderesses. Make sure that you check it out. Um, this black is actually, murderesses? Yes. Yes. Explain that. So... It is a, the female version of a murderer. But in our podcast, of course, there is cases. There are cases where wrong is wrong, where you committed the crime, you need to do the time. But there is a lot of times within our justice system that black women are overlooked, that they are seen as more aggressive than they actually are. We talk about cases from the early stages of America to now. And we've seen cases where. Um, the first black woman that was executed in the state of Virginia, she was 15 years old and the courts demanded, they said, there is no way that she is 15. She's, uh, she hurt. She's too developed. Her butt's too big. She's too developed. She has to be 21. Try her as an adult. Dang. That is the things that black women see within the justice system. So we bring light to that. We also bring light to, uh, women that are Delulu and sometimes wrong is wrong and you have to serve the time. But we also talk about rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as entrepreneurship, that is my baby. That is my second podcast and the one that brought me some money. I am actually within my first month of being a full-time entrepreneur. I left my job at the end. Thank you. I left my job at the end of October and it 
has been a whirlwind. And so I am so excited to sit down with you all. I'm so excited to drop a few gems of things that I've learned along the way. And as I'm continuing to learning, as I'm continuing to learn within my first month of being a full-time entrepreneur. I love it. Love it, man. Good stuff. Storm Leroy's here. Hey, what up, man? I'm Storm Leroy, also known as the employed millionaire. I've been in the space of, guess what we call an entrepreneurial ship before it really had a phrase in our space. I've been doing real estate since 1999, locally in New York. And I've started investing in real estate in 2015 throughout the entire United States. I purchased over 30 properties. I've never seen those properties. I've massed uh, almost 3 million in properties while never having to ever go see those properties. And I did this all while having a job. 2015, I took $8,000, my Verizon money, because your job is your first business partner. Once I understood that, it helped my growth. Um, I was able to leave my job in five years. I walked in on Instagram Live and I said, hey, this is it for me. I'm out of here. Adios, amigos. Told them to give me the papers where to sign and I left. And I uh, jumped fully into this space. And for me, it was more of sharing knowledge. Mm -hmm. I wanted to encourage other people to let them know you didn't have to leave your job to get your point across. Mm -hmm. You know, the first person I believed in you is your job. So um, we'll get more into that. But that's who I am. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, we made it. Hey. And I'm here. That was a little boom. Okay, I'm working on these little buttons right here. Okay, <laughs> um, but we are. Uh, I'm excited, man, to have this conversation, especially around entrepreneurship, because there's somebody that's on their job right now. They don't know if entrepreneurship is for them. So let's just talk about, Let's let's start with, the cons of entrepreneurship, because people think as soon as they leave their job, oh, it's up, I gotta be my own boss. I don't work for nobody, when really you work for everybody when you're an entrepreneur, okay? So give me your experience, Mariah, on uh, the downsides of entrepreneurship. Um, You are taking a shot in the dark. I did not go to school for business. I went to school as a theater major. I have my master's in theater. So this whole time I just knew that I wanted to perform and learning every single I remember our first year that we figured out we had to do taxes and we said we owe how much because we made how much learning all the ins and outs of business um, being a small business being very close-knit I'm in business with my best friend so there's finding that line between us being friends and us being business partners figuring out how to find a team that really supports you that loves you that loves your vision and uh, you have to get up every day just like you're doing your nine to five, but you're just working for yourself. I was just saying before the cameras came on, you you guys are on your lunch break, but as an entrepreneur, you are not going to have a lunch break. It does not happen. I still have to meal prep so that I know I can eat every single day. It's not, it ain't sweet. Mm -mm. So uh, Storm, give me the downsides of entrepreneurship, man. Why some people should never become entrepreneurs? Um... There's a saying I like to use, just because you have two lips and you could keep a rhythm don't mean you should be a rapper. That's a fact. Like, shouldn't, doesn't mean that. So uh, with the entrepreneur, the downside of it, where the job helps you, because if you start practicing being an entrepreneur while you have a job, you're actually developing a habit. A habit of how to split that time up. 
You know you're going to come home. You know you need to get this many hours in. You know you need to get that set up. You need to start putting all those things in place. So if you start preparing for when you're ready to leave, it's really an easier transition. Um, one of the things that I've gotten from it that really was a, a downside was the responsibility of putting people in place to do certain duties. You have to be able to, to be the master of delegating duties, right? Because you will find yourself trying to do too much. And that's where I came in when I realized I had more time. I left the job. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that when really I was stopping my growth. I had a bigger growth when I realized I was giving my time to somebody else. And then when it was all mine, I said, well, guess what? I'm going to do everything myself. Mm -hmm. So the con was, I felt like I needed to do everything, but um, moving forward, it takes you to have a vision while you're at work and a plan to execute when you're no longer at the job. I really wouldn't have a lot of downside except responsibility and how to hand that off. But it's completely upside once you learn these key things that we'll get into. Yeah, I love it. Um, also, I think one of the downsides of entrepreneurship is you don't get to keep all the money. No facts. You know what I mean? Like, yo, it's. I remember one year I made two hundred fifty thousand dollars as an entrepreneur, and I am lit a quarter million. And that's mm -hmm. how I said it. I said, "Y'all made a quarter million quarter this million. year." Doing good. I walked home with thirty thousand. My expenses were so high. I. The cool thing about a job is they give you the money, and you just get to keep the money. <laughs> there's no profit. There's no. Uh, there's no overhead. The taxes are taken already. You right? don't got to worry yeah. about gross net. All that. They just they just give you the money. Yeah, I like that, but it's not like that with entrepreneurship. No. Okay. You think you got? Oh man, I had a good month. And you realize at the end of the month that you don't. Ha you got the same amount of money that you had at the end of the month as you did when you had a bad month. When mm -hmm. your good months, it is tough. Accounting, taxes. I really, really like. I, I can appreciate now. When I uh, when I had a job, when they would take the taxes out, because I know what that meant. That meant that they just don't trust me to give them their money. Yeah. It, the government does not doesn't trust employees to give them the money that they owe, so they just take it right out the check. Yeah, because entrepreneurs are irresponsible sometimes too. Most be, of the time, becoming an entrepreneur really involves you being financially responsible. Um, it's it's a big commitment. Your job will give you money. Basically, we're, we feel like we're going to pay you this, but after everybody gets their piece, this is yours, right? Mm -hmm. But now you have a business, you're making money. It's literally saying if you have a bad relationship with your money, you're going to have a bad relationship when you start your business. Yeah. So you should learn to take your salary, start delegating certain parts of your salary to pay for your business, to pay for equipment, to pay for this. So now you're building a better relationship. One of the biggest problems that people become an entrepreneur, and I really want to give people some insight on, for me, what not to do. Don't quit your job just because you don't like your job and now you want to become yes. an entrepreneur. That's not how it works. You need to be able to say, I want to quit my job because I have a passion to do something that will pay me better than my job. Mm -hmm. The preparation to move into the entrepreneurial space is what makes you a successful entrepreneur. If you just say, I quit, what am I going to do? Well, I'm just going to start selling something. I'm <laughs> right just going to start stuff. doing something. Well, guess what? It's not going to work. Start developing. Your job is actually training you to be a successful entrepreneur. You just don't take the things you're learning outside of the eight hours in your job. And now you go home and be that irresponsible person. Yeah, I didn't leave my job 
until I until Sister Sue Kill was paying me double what my main job was doing. And mm. then it got to the point where I was like, all of the communication that I've learned, I've learned how to communicate with clients. I've learned how to communicate with actors. I've learned how to communicate. I've learned how to delegate. I've learned how to problem solve. And I'm taking every single one of those skills and I'm pushing it into what I do now as my main gig. And it helps me so much. Scheduling, communication, learning how to deal with difficult people in different difficult situations, mm -hmm. learning how to delegate my time. Those are all the things that I learned at my nine to five. Yeah. And now I'm able to use those skills and I put them forth every single day. Yeah. Bro, I, yeah. there's there's so many people that are going to stay at their job because they don't know why they're there. Mm. And there's a reason that you're there. There's so many like skills and uh, abilities, mindsets that you need to adopt while you're working at your job. But you spend so much time complaining about the pay, about the employees, about the boss, about your coworkers, about the customers. You spend so much time complaining that you don't realize this is the biggest blessing. And that's why you're going to be there forever. Yeah. Because you're not you're you're not looking for why like why am I planted in this space right now? The moment I figured that out, that's when I that's when I knew I had one one foot out the door. Yeah, as soon as yeah. I figured it out. Once you become that person who you're meant to be, that may not be a good thing either. Now, because if you're at work <laughs> and you're complaining, no, really, no. because if you're at work and you're complaining, you're constantly complaining about your job, the people, everything around you. Really, now you're just highlighting who you are. And now when you're not at work no more, you're going to be at home complaining about everything around you. Like the, the biggest thing that a job can do that's beneficial, it gets uh, it gets the home tune, fine tune who you are by taking away eight hours and see, could you stick to a rhythm of what you have to do at work? Yeah. If you're able to be at work and lock in on the assignment of what your job has for you to do, now you're able to take that focus and lock in on what it is that you're trying to do as an entrepreneur. If you at work and you saying, look, I didn't come here to do no work. Guess what's going to happen when you at, at you your own no <laughs> You ain't going to do no work. If you at work and you have bad customer service and now you're trying to sell something to people, guess what you're gonna have bad customer service relationships it's only gonna highlight so you need to focus in on what that thing is you're being paid for to do and if you're doing it well and now could you transition that into a business but make it a smooth transition and another thing before i hand this mic over to this beautiful young lady right here i can't forget this do not invite other people who are just your friends into your entrepreneurial on, world man. because they're just your hey, friends come on let's come talk on, about now. it oh let's talk about friends. it Let's hey, talk about take, take it. it I, I, I was going somewhere else, but let me stay there. I <laughs> lost one of my very, very best friends with Sisters Who Kill. Mm. Um, and it was, I mean, somebody that I have been close with. And she started off as my mentee when we were in college and we became very good friends. But we were working together and the work that she was doing for us was great. And we told her at the time we weren't making a lot of money. So, baby, you're not going to make a lot of money. It was definitely a come work with us, come build with us. We know that the money is coming. We believe in this project. And for a while she was like, yes, I believe in this project. And then she started looking up what somebody in that position would make. And I was like, we are not even making that as your bosses. <laughs> Will you stick with us? Will you believe in us? And it got to the point where she just kind of threw up her hands and said no and blocked us on everything. And it was like, 
I'm telling you where we are, but if you don't have the same vision that we do, then you can't be on our team. If you don't believe in us when we aren't making a lot of money, Sisters Who Kill is my second podcast. My first podcast I did for an entire year and I made $5. And I was so <laughs> I was so proud of that $5 because at the time I didn't even know that you could make money doing podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud of that $5. And we put on a, a Zoom show during the pandemic. All the actors got paid $5. I thought I was doing something. But we weren't clearly, but, <laughs> but at the time I was like, please believe in our vision, believe in what we have going on. And it's, it's your friends, it's your families, it's your closest people that aren't going to see the same vision that you have. Right. Back to what I was going to say before. I, I like the image of like a tree. If you're, I'm into gardening. I have a huge garden in the backyard. We've got tons of fruit trees, but when you look at a tree, a baby tree, they're just learning their root systems. And it's not until that tree is planted into the ground. It's not until the storms come, until the ice comes, until they get that first frost, until they get a very hot summer, that that tree learns how to really use its root system to mm. plant itself and to grow. And then by the time that it goes through all of those transgressions, all of those storms, the roots start to grow and you can see real fruit come from that tree. It's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You have to learn to be comfortable where you are and learn how to thrive where you are so that your root system can grow and you can use those roots to produce great fruit. Facts. I listen, I I think that was fire. Goodness gracious. And y'all, you left your, you left your job when? At the end of October, Friday, and, uh, October 27th. So you, you're not even a month in yet. So no. congratulations. Congratulations. Hold on. That wasn't the right one. Hold on. That wasn't the right one. I'm going to get these sounds right, y'all. I'm telling y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we got to lay some unhashed rules down. Let's do it. All right. So for those of you that are watching us live, first and foremost, welcome, welcome, welcome. But there are some house rules to be on this live. If you like what you're hearing First, make sure you subscribe to The Social Proof. Make sure you share it with an entrepreneurial friend of nine to fiver who is thinking about being an entrepreneur. Share this live with them right now and drop some super chats. Come on, man. Get them super chats super going. Chats, okay. Yes, you're getting all this free game. You're getting all this free game, but you have to support as well. So drop those super chats in the Absolutely. chat. And if you have questions for Dave, or for either of our guests on this couch, make sure you go ahead, text your question to the number on the screen, and we will be sure to join, add you into the conversation live. Absolutely. Right? Y'all, thank you so much. And I am, uh, I'm in an initiative right now, I've been having a lot of conversation with schools because I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship and bringing entrepreneurs to the schools to be able to show the kids what they can be. Mm-hmm. And I think in Atlanta, especially my friend group, we're all like cool. And I think we look kind of young. You know what I mean? We dress young. I got my knees out just like the kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the objective is going to the schools and teaching the kids entrepreneurship. But I'm going to be bringing a lot of my entrepreneurial friends to the school so the kids have something to relate to. The only success that they see are, uh, well, I think the only career path they see is maybe their teacher saying, hey, stay in school, do well. But the kid is like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to be you. I don't want to do what you do. And then they go home and their parents maybe work nine to fives and jobs that they don't really like. So the kids is like, well, I don't want to be that. So we can look at the rappers, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, oh, well, the rapper, you got to be a gangster. You got to sit lean. That's not a bad option. Or they all know the OG in in their neighborhood that sell drugs. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe I could do that. But you never really see somebody that's really out here doing it, having a good time, and you see somebody you can relate to. So actually, I decided that a percentage, I'm actually tithing a percentage of every super chat that comes in to this initiative going into the schools because we want to buy a bus so we can take them to field trips. I was talking to Atlanta Public Schools, and I, I said, my objective is to get a bus, take the kids, from school to here, the Creators Clubhouse, so I can say, yo, I own this. I can go to the loft, Jason, uh, Jason Lobdell and his wife, Halani. They can, the kids can walk into a gym, see a bunch of people working out, and meet the owner, say, yo, I own this. Right. So we're going to a bunch of restaurants. I got some friends that own restaurants. You can go in there and say, yo, I this this guy that looks like me owns this. So we're taking a percentage of all of your super chats. Obviously, we got to pay staff and stuff like that. But we're taking a percentage of all your super chats, all your donations when we're going live. And it is going to pour into the students. OK, so hit the who's going to be our first super chat. Do we have we have a super chat yet? We don't have a super chat. We don't yet. Like, what's who's up with going to be our first? Who's going to be the first super the chat? Let's see. Do it for the babies. <laughs> Okay. It's a giving time. All right, and we we will uh we will give a sound effect as soon as I figure out how to work. Oh, hold oh, on, hold on. We got a super chat of twenty five. Who is that? Post. This is Karis Creative. Hey, hold, pin that for a minute. Just just Nita. let that sit there for a minute. Shouts out to Karen Morning Man's in the building. Okay. Um, back to uh, I, I think it's important when we start talking about picking our business partners because if you have a job. Mm-hmm. You know you need help. You know you need people. And the closest people to you are your friends, family, coworkers, right? So you have this idea, and this is the most dangerous part about starting a business in that position, is you are going to share your idea with your friends, family, and coworkers. And then they're going to help you shape the idea. And now that idea becomes theirs. Now they're co-owners. <laughs> and then you realize that all these people that you shared it with, these three people, y'all say, yo, okay, I'm going to do this, and you're going to do that, and we're going to split it, and all that. You're like, all right, cool. They got excited off of a cool idea. You got excited off of an actual vision that you had, and you might find yourself the only person lasting in this business. However, you didn't split up your company because yep. y'all had a good idea, y'all sitting around drinking wine, smoking weed, and now y'all, part, now y'all business partners. <laughs> You never had no, shooting, no intoxicated ideas with your friends. Like, yo, we're going to do this. You're like, yeah, yo. And then tomorrow, this idea is ours and it's not yours. Y'all have, y'all have an experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get straight to it. The reason why I like what you're doing right now is because you're able to learn. You're able to learn what not to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, both foot on the floor, 10 toes down, do not share your goals and dreams with people who are not in the same frame of mind as you. Period. Yeah. Period. Because they will shoot you down. See, the thought is this. If you've had a great idea a few years ago and you tried to do it and didn't succeed, and now you give them another, oh, I'm going to go do this. You lay the ground uh, groundwork for them to go, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. When really, every failure eventually leads to your success. So I want you to try. I want you to fail. I want you to hit a nose because eventually you'll get a yes. But if you stop at your first failure, then you'll never be able to reach the success. They don't get that part. They just get, oh, here's another one. You're going to fail. So what you should do is 
Sit down, formulate what your plan and your business is going to be. Figure out who needs to be in that spot. Figure out what people fit in that spot. And now you can actually hire you people. You can get a VA. You can find someone in your family who might be a good accountant, who might be a doctor. Somebody might be a cousin or it might be a neighbor. Better yet, they don't even need to be a blood relative. But what's crucial here is that you do not sit around and burn off the energy and the steam of the dream that you have with other people who will not be there to remind you of the steam and energy when you now go, I don't think I want to do it. Somebody needs to remind you. That person in your family most likely will not be the one. And if it's if they're talking to you about a percentage of anything with money, they're not seeing a vintage, vent, vent, vision. vision. They're seeing the profit first. That's a fact. Yo, man, shout out to G.I. Adams with the $49. Hey! Super chat. I love it. Yo, and we have a uh, we have a call in, right? So hey, listen, y'all, yes. y'all can call in. Nello will post it after. Give, we gotta let GI live for a little bit, okay? Because <laughs> him and Karen, they've been showing love, okay? Uh, that's your boo. All right. That's, that's hey. your boo boo. Yes. Like your, your that's situation. Your real boo. Uh, that's my real boo. Okay, so we can okay. see a thousand up there any minute. <laughs> <laughs> we we going on a date tonight. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he said, let me make sure. All right, let's bring in our Mi caller. Who we All got? All right, Micaiah shares. You are on with free smoke what up can you hear us hi everybody can you guys hear me yes we can hear you how are you i'm doing well thank you so much for taking my call um this question is for storm um i was just wondering in your journey becoming a multi-millionaire entrepreneur how has that affected your personal life i feel like success leaves social social cues as far as i'm sorry i have my daughter uh social cues and i just wanted to know uh, what are some of those things that you can pinpoint that you know you were in alignment and you were on your path just based on how wow. things were changing in your personal life? Wow, you must have never heard me speak before. You would have stayed away from that. That's one of my <laughs> most powerful things I talk about because understanding my journey, I realized certain people couldn't go. Um, and one of those um, people was my first wife. Um, when I got married, I had a different plan. My plan was different than now. She had a different plan, and I realized I wanted to grow. She had a different idea of what that success looked like, and I had to make a tough decision. Did I want to stay married and miserable, or did I want to focus on making somebody else happy and then I'm miserable, or did I want to go chase something, and now she can be free to go be happy with somebody that's going to make sure she's happy and they're happy. So I literally had to have the toughest conversation of my life when my youngest daughter, who's now 27, she was one years old and was like, we need to get a, get a divorce. <clears throat> I'm not choking up. My throat is getting dry. <clears throat> <laughs> and the reason why, because you have to literally make some of the toughest decisions in the world. If I didn't make the decision I did now, I still would be working for Verizon, working overtime. My daughter wouldn't have a four year of worth of college paid for. She wouldn't own her own real estate right now. She wouldn't have a vehicle. Like I would literally be working overtime. So the tough, and now my ex-wife is happy. So the things that I had to sacrifice, they were worth sacrificing because the objective were, was bigger. I'm not telling you or anyone else to sacrifice a relationship and marriage. What I'm telling you is if somebody's not aligned with you, then you need to make a decision and have a conversation with them on how could you become better aligned. And if for those of you that don't have children, 
excuse me, you're not married, but you do have children, I'm going to highly recommend that you show them the power of what leadership and the power of what going after a goal looks like and not a job. Just as little kids, when we were all little, we would see somebody smoke. We would get a pen and we would mimic smoking with a pen or we would sit in a car with, you know, I would do it with my uncle and I would imitate driving. Don't you think when you come home and you are now coming in the door frustrated, I hate my job. I don't know why I have to be here. I got to do 15 more years of this. What you're doing is ruining the mind of a child who was born into belief, but now you're raising them with doubt. The doubt is that they can't be the things that their mind is consuming to be an astronaut, to be a physicist, to be president, to be all these things. But you're coming in the door with this frustration that a job is bringing upon you. So you need to start displaying leadership within a role of still having a job, but understanding that the most delicate thing in your household is watching every move you make because they listen to only 10 percent of what you say, but they mimic 100 percent of what you actually do. Mm. Goodness gracious. Mercy. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, nah, that was good. That was good. All right, thank you so much for calling in. All right. Hey, guys, if you have any questions, if you have any questions, send a text message to the number that is on the screen. Uh, Nella will bring you in so we can hear from you, okay? We want to hear from you. Um, also, um, I think an- another very important part about this conversation is not letting social media push you into entrepreneurship. Yeah. I, I, I really, really don't think it's for everybody. When I first started in entrepreneurship, I had a clothing brand called Sleep is for Suckers and was geared towards entrepreneurship and anyone that's losing sleep doing what they love. So I'm leaning so far left to everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. Now, I do feel like everyone needs to do something entrepreneurial, but not necessarily for money. Build something. I don't care if it's, you know, a hobby. Build a garden. Like go out there and build a garden. Go out there and have this, I don't know, a set of uh, uh, collect- a collection of model cars that you're putting together. Do something that you can build, right? But I don't think in a traditional sense, everyone needs to be an entrepreneur because it takes a very special person, a special skill set, a special mindset. It takes a lot to be an entrepreneur. So how do you decide, I ask you all this question, how do you decide if I want to be an entrepreneur because I'm being pressured into it or I want to be an entrepreneur because it's something that's inside of me? Let's start with you. Um, so I've been in the performing arts my entire life. And even when I was younger, I didn't have a name for it. But I knew that I wanted to do my craft and I wanted to get paid for my craft. And even when I was younger, I was like, I don't care if I'm a starving artist. As I got older, I realized that that was false. I do care if I'm a starving artist. (laughs) (laughs) But I said, you know, I don't care if I'm a starving artist. I just want to do my craft. I want to make people happy. And then realizing that entrepreneurship is the way to do that. Yes, I can perform and I can audition. I still do that. And all that is filtered through another business because I am now a brand and I am now my own business. But when it comes to bringing joy to myself and then thus bringing joy to others, Mm -hmm. it is through my entrepreneurship. It is through my craft. And it took time. I didn't see myself as a business owner. I had no idea what I was doing. I really stepped in full force not knowing if I was going to sink and not knowing if I was going to swim. And I just really had to keep pushing myself forward. I do think that it's very hard to sit in comparison 
because, and I'm guilty, 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 guilty of sitting in comparison with everybody else that I've gone to college with, everybody that are my friends, people that I only spoke to one time in high school, but they seem like they're doing good on Facebook. I'm comparing myself to them when in reality, we don't have the same journey. We don't have the same vision. God gave me my vision. He didn't tell me the path to get there, but he mm-hmm. told me what is where I'm going to be. And it's really powerful because, you know, I was reading a book and they were saying, you know, when something happens and if God gave you the vision that you're going to do something amazing and you get fired from your job, I promise you, God is not up there like, oh, my gosh, Mara got fired from her job. How on (laughs) earth is she going to get this vision? How on earth is the vision going to be fulfilled? That's not the way it works. If it's for you, it's going to be for you. And I think social media does give you a lot of pressure. It makes you feel like you're behind when in reality, you're on your own journey and you're on your own path. And with entrepreneurship, this just happened to be the path that I took. I wasn't seeking this path but it's where i am and yeah. it's working out pretty well absolutely. <laughs> absolutely how do you know storm how do you okay yo real quick yeah you worked at verizon and i didn't know this right, till yeah. today you worked at verizon for yeah. 20 years wow. 20 it was 20 years when i hit the vision of your job my job is my first business partner yeah. how do i now take this salary and do this thing with it because it wasn't no social media it wasn't so I stayed there for five more years. I left at 25 years. Wow. So once that five years, I could have left my job in three years, in all honesty, because real estate out of state was doing well. I'd had a lot of great investments. I put together a great team. But what I did was I said, I'm going to stay to two more years because now I want to take my benefits. I'm not leaving here and you guys are not going to like leave those benefits. I had to do the hardest last two years of my life. It's like knowing you have money knowing I'm going to this place, knowing I don't need to work no more. And it's like, don't get fired. Just go there, do the little, you know, do the least amount of work. And then once I was able to say, okay, cool. Today is the the day when my medical kicked in full fledged. I left and I left um, a big portion of pension on the table. I left almost a half a million dollars worth of pension money on the table, but it didn't mean nothing because I was making at other places. Mm -hmm. And a part about it where um, I definitely, Getting into jobs. I'm sorry, real quick. Oh, when yeah. you say you left a half a million of pension, yeah. I don't understand the talks. Cause yeah, I, well, you, you pay into your pension when you have a job, your 401k, and Verizon has a pension. So you you they match whatever you put in. So I was putting in 7%. They were putting 7% oh, pension. Wow. Yeah, so pensions now are non-existence. It's 401ks. Jobs now are not giving you pensions. Those days are over. I think I started that job in 95, 1995. So the pension was good. You know, it was like if I would have stayed, I, I probably would have walked away with almost a million dollars or something like that. How long would you have had to stay? I would have had to stay for 30 years. So if you'd have done five more years, you'd have made a million. Bro, I'm not staying there five years. Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes, you know, like, if you're I can calling, make a, if your pool is towards something that is yeah. greater, you just got to do it. Think, mm. Listen to what you just said. I would have had to stay five years. Yeah. And you know the space and the things I do now. 100%. I've did seven million dollars in a day. Like, does it make sense? <laughs> no, nah, yeah. not at all. You feel me? So the math ain't mathing. Yeah. But the key thing for me, understanding that the people at the job, their people, there's going to be chiefs, there's going to be Indians. You need them. There are people who are going to be at work that's going to be persistent about you staying at work and going to be asking you like they asked me, why don't you just stay for the five more years? You know, you can stay and you'll be able to get this. You'll be able to do that. And I looked and I said, wow, y'all don't get it. But I understood that 
It was their purpose and their mission to work a job. That's their destiny. Mine was something else. Who am I to steer somebody else? Who, matter of fact, who are you to be telling somebody else to get off their destiny of what God had planned for them? Just like you are standing on your square for your destiny. Don't go in there messing up this person's mind. They already know I'm doing my 30, I'm doing my 35 years. So you leave me alone. They're never going to get your vision. So why would you sit there and try to explain Anytime you're explaining something so great to somebody, and even when they come to you and ask you, how could they do what you're doing? And then they say this key word. If they say the word, but, I want you to just Run. walk away. <laughs> Run. Because but is the delete button for the brain. Yes. Mm. Everything you just told them, they erased it. They erased, they erased everything you've just said to now give significant value to what they're about to say to you. And you're the one who's in a winning position. I know there was a question you had, and I totally just went all over the place with I the forgot, work. Perfect. I forgot, bro. That was good, though. <laughs> was I mean, but it's, it's hard. I mean, even some people are listening. It's hard to wrap their mind around you put in this time. And so when you left, you got to – do you get access to the pension? Yeah, still? I got some money. But, well, I don't have access to it till I'm 59 and a half. Gotcha. So when oh, but I left, right now – it's mm -hmm. half a million. If you just stayed five more years, it would have been a million. It'd been about one point five. One point five. Yeah, something oh. like that. Due to the account, due, due to where things are going, one point five. But it sounds it really sounds like it is a lot of money. I'm not let me let me straighten it out. Yeah. It's a lot of money. But when you say time is money, five years of my life isn't worth a million dollars for man. me to sit around to, like I can make that. Some people brain isn't engineered to figure out how do I go make a million dollars in a day, a week, a month. They just know this check is consistent. So if I keep doing this thing, it's guaranteed to come to me, you know, so the fear factor there. So I knew automatically Oh, before I go to this next phrase, I want to remind some people out there who are sitting on the edge of trying to figure this out. Time is not money. It's the biggest lie somebody could have ever told you. Time is not money. Time has been dictated by a value of somebody else telling you what they'll pay you for your time. So if the job said, I'll give you $15 an hour, do you think you're only worth $15 an hour? Somebody said, I'm going to give you $45 an hour. Do you think you're worth $45 an hour? You've now been lulled into the sleep of now when you get this $2 bump up, you're going, hey, yo, I'm up to 47. I'm up. I'm up. I'm. Like now the disbelief is in how much your personal value is. But now mm -hmm. if you walked away and said, I can do this thing that they're paying me $100,000 for, and I'm doing it for a company, and I'm making them $100 million, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you go out and now build a, a, a part of that thing you're making for them for $100 million? Yeah. Ooh-wee. You got something? You got oh, something for Jesus. that? I ain't got a whole lot for that either. <laughs> I got some uh, some stats. Shouts out to Andrea. She, uh, she, she puts together some stats for us, cited by Gallup. Statistics show more than 70% of nine to five workers are unhappy at their jobs, while most of them looking forward to the close of each day and ultimately the end of the month. 70% of nine to fivers are unhappy with their job. If they have a job and they're unhappy, what should they, what should they do? Because on one hand, we're saying, well, you need to find out why you're there. You, you're unhappy for a reason. Maybe, maybe it's the job itself that is just giving you no joy. Maybe there's no job out there that's going to give you joy because you are an entrepreneur at heart. Mm -hmm. 
On the other side, there could be another job that where people respect you. There's a job I heard. I haven't been in the corporate politics, but um, I heard that uh, us African-Americans, especially black women in the corporate arena, are treated extremely unfairly and they're blatant about it. So what should we do in that scenario? Hold on to that question. Shouts out to Auntie Shaky. Auntie hey. Shaky gave a 20. Listen, y'all, y'all donating to the kids. The man. Shouts out to Auntie Shaky. Appreciate that. I'll be needing an excuse to use this little sound effect. All right. So what do we do? 70% are unhappy. An unhappy person at the job. Around. What do we do? Make a plan. Make a real plan. There are so many people that have the entrepreneurial spirit and they're like, oh, I have an idea and I have to do it now. And it's like, you have to make a plan. You have to write it down, make it plain so that you can execute it properly. When I started uh, my business, I was looking for a job because I, I, was, I had no money. I did not know where I was going to go. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I was looking for a job. And then I was working at an elementary school and I love teaching theater in arts, but I was teaching science and math. And that just wasn't for me. I was so just, and I was making a pretty good amount of money at that school. It was a private school and I just was not happy. It was not fulfilling me. So I left and I found another job and this job was in my field. I took a pay cut, but I said that I, I knew that something about this position that I was in was going to prepare me for where I needed to be. And sometimes you really have to sit down and say, what is it in this position that I can learn that I can put forth in my business. I was working in the entertainment field because I have two degrees in theater. I was like, great, I'm working in entertainment. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm at least back in the right direction, at least back in the same field. But still, it wasn't for me. It was, I was great at my job. My boss loved me. I actually had a great employer that believed in uh, my side hustle, now my main job. and. I had to sit down and say, what is it that I need to take away from here so that I can implement in my own job? Sometimes you really have to just like eat the banana, throw away the peel. I know I don't mm -hmm. like coming in. Mm -hmm. No, I'm so mad that they only give me a 30 minute lunch break. But, oh, I am learning communication. Oh, I am learning how to do a spreadsheet. Oh, I am rubbing shoulders with big clients that could potentially be sponsors for my show. I'm doing all of those things. And so it's really... Sometimes you have to take yourself out of the way so that you can put yourself in the right position. Facts. Facts. Mm -hmm. What do we do? What's the advice, man? The advice, the advice I'm going to give is that um, a lot of people are miserable at their jobs because they haven't found the exit. Mm -hmm. Like you're just in this circular room, just continuously going in circles and there's no exit. So eventually you're just going to keep wandering around this room you call a job, doing the same thing over and over again. But the moment when you realize you find an exit, and I'm speaking for me, when I found out there was an exit, I was motivated to go to work every single day. Because yeah. I knew in five years, I'm gone. I looked forward to getting up. I used to get up at 6.30 in the morning. To have to be to work at seven o'clock, that meant every street light have to hit on time. That meant everything have to go just right. Or I was going to be late. And what I was doing when I didn't have that exit, I was giving other people the power to fire me who wanted to fire me. Mm -hmm. Now, if they would have fired me, I would have been upset. Like, wow, I don't have a job. So why was I teetering on that balance there? That was that wasn't stable. But once I realized I had a plan, I had an exit strategy to get out. I started getting up now at six in the morning. 
so I can get up, get my mind right, prepare for me to leave. Now get the work. Now I was doing the job I needed to do because I knew I only had to do it for five years. If somebody told you you had to continuously do something over and over and over and over again, why would you be motivated to continuously do it? That's where the phrase, I didn't come here to work, comes in. <laughs> like, you didn't, you really didn't come here to work. You came here to find a soft, you, excuse me, you came here to find a hard pillow to lay your head on. Think about that. A hard pillow to lay your head on. That's what that job is. So if you know you do, you're not supposed to be at work, you don't want to be at work, your intent and you're bigger than what your paycheck is telling you, I want you to sit down, get yourself a whiteboard, make it plain. Your yes. dreams are, your goals are only dreams if they're not written down. I have three whiteboards surround me in my office. I have one right in front of me that's a do list, not a to do. It's a do list. A to do list gives you an excuse to find the easiest one to do and then you pick it out. You have a do list, get it done. Then on my left, it's my immediate goals for the year. Then on my right, which is a larger board, it's my vision for the next five years. So I'm surrounded by what I'm gonna do. I want you to take those actions and you'll find yourself looking forward to going to work because you will now find the exit door in that circle room. Well said. My gosh. Woo. I hope y'all are getting this game, man. Yo, thank you for everybody that's giving super chats. Thank you for everybody that's supporting, man. Yo, if listen, there's a principle. If you put seeds in the ground, if you put seeds in the ground, something will grow. So if you got all y'all that's sharing, listen, your super chats don't necessarily help or change our lifestyle, okay? But I want to give you an opportunity to sow something into good information. I promise you the tree grows, okay? So I will be promoting that promoting that throughout this episode. But I also have another stat really quick uh, that Dre sent over. 58% of entrepreneurs worked in corporate world prior to starting their own business. 58% of entrepreneurs had a job, worked in the corporate world, which I think is a, there has to be some sort of direct relation to being in an environment where there's systems set up, there's processes, there's order, there's structure. So when you come from that corporate arena, you can put that same thing into your own business because otherwise you'll be right. Listen, I ran my business like a hustle for a long time because I didn't work in corporate necessarily. Now there, I did have to be there at a certain time. There was structure, there's order that had to happen. Right. But I kind of wish I worked in a corporate environment though. So I can understand the, the back end of how I can get a person to carry out a job by telling someone else to tell that person. Because it doesn't work as easy here in entrepreneurship. So I, I guess we have to figure out a couple things that you all learned from your job. Right? What you got? We have a caller. We got a caller. Oh, yes. we got a caller. We have a caller on the line. Ding, ding, ding. Let's go. <laughs> Cherie, you are mm. aligned with Free Smoke. Come on up. What's man. up, Cherie? What's going on, everyone? How are you? Amazing, amazing. Good. So I have a question. So, um... My auntie has some properties that she no longer wants. Her husband had passed on, and it's just been sitting. She called and asked um, myself and my husband that we want to take over the property. And um, it's about three acres. Uh, we're new to the real estate kind of thing. So I just want to know your what would you do if you had the opportunity to um, take that land? Man. What would you 
what would you do? You cooking with hot grease. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. Get your pretty pad ready now. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you have three acres and it's in an area where you know there's development taking place, what I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend you not sell the land. What I'm going to recommend is that you do a land lease. Find you a developer that was willing to develop on your land. Now you lease the land to them for 99 years. So now you're continuously getting paid. Your legacy is getting paid. Now what they're going to use as collateral to lease your land is the real estate that they're building on your land. It's the collateral. So if they don't pay, guess what? You get the real estate. But also whatever they're building, what I want you to do is have into the equation that they include either you getting a, let me look up here. I'm going to let you know I'm looking right at you. I want, okay. I want you to include that you either get a house or a condo out the deal. I don't want you just to let them build and now you don't get some kind of equity to grow outside of the 99-year land lease. That's if the land is viable to build on. But now what I also want you to consider is breaking that land up into parcels. You want to sell different parcels to different developers. And now you don't want to give it all to them because guess what? If you give them all the three acres and now they start building and they only build on one acre, the other two acres now gain more value. But if you if you gave one acre to develop, now they start building, your other two acres are now gaining more value. And now you can sell another acre for a higher price and then wait till those two start growing. And then the third one will be worth more you're creating a comps for your land. So there's a like, I can really take you down a rabbit hole. If you know how to find me, send me a message. I want to give you some valuable okay, information I'll about land because there's an extreme shortage of real estate that's going to impact us as minorities, brown people the next five to seven years. That's going to be scary. And um, I'm really the one who talks on DEFCON level one about us mm -hmm. needing to buy real estate. You need to buy some real estate now or you need to get some land now and not just in this country throughout the entire world because real estate is everywhere. So um, I hope that was a value. I don't want to consume too much time. And uh, thank you for that question. That's uh, no, thank you. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so much. No problem. Sir. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Really, really good question. We have another, we have a question, right? We have a question yes. somewhere. We do. What you got? We do have a question. So this question is coming from Namdi. All right. If so, I'm someone who likes the stability of a job, being that I have a wife and four kids, but at the same time, I can't stand someone micromanaging me. I make almost $20,000 gross at my nine to five. That I don't enjoy, by the way. Whoa, um, when you say twenty thousand, is that yeah. monthly, Month? Gross. yearly, yearly? Twenty. Th there's a number. Two hundred thousand. I'm sorry. I was about to say, my man got four kids. Something's off. I'm dropping <clears throat> zeros. All right, so two hundred thousand gross at my nine to five that I don't enjoy, by the way. And I have a podcast on the side. I don't make any money yet on the podcast. At what point should I transition from my job to full-time entrepreneurship? And this is going back to what you were saying, that you waited until you doubled your income. Mm -hmm. So he asked, should I wait to double the 200000 Yeah, let me, let me share this real quick. Going full-time oftentimes won't help you make more money. It just means you have more time. Yeah. Okay? You have more time pick up the kids from school. You got more time to do stuff around the house, run errands. You just have more time. 
when I was, so when I was, when I had my job at the Cheesecake Factory, I'd be working my job and I'd be building my business after work, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I knew it was time to quit outside of the, the like I was making money, <clears throat> my job started to get in the way of me making money outside mm -hmm. of work. Like there started to yes. be conflicts. Like, yo, you could be a vendor with some t-shirts over here. It's going to be a whole, whole lot of people. It's going to be some celebrities, big opportunities. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to work. Mm -hmm. Not that it happened one time. It happened over and over mm -hmm. and over. And I said, oh, now this job is costing me money. Yes. Yeah. yes. Now it's time to seriously leave. But if you are not getting to this money on outside of your job, I promise you when you quit your job, nothing's going to change. Yep. Right. I'm telling you. Yeah, I 100% agree. I If you're not making money on your podcast, there are many ways to make money on your podcast. Facts. I mean, we started off when we started making money on Sisters Who Kill in month number two. And it was because my co-host was like, we're not doing what you did last year and making $5 in a year. Ain't no way that I'm doing that. So... Go and find those small businesses that your friends own and see if they want to buy an ad for us. I think our first ad was a hundred bucks. And I remember telling my co-host, ain't no way that somebody's going to pay a hundred dollars to advertise on our podcast. And that person came back to us and said, you know what? I'm, I paid a hundred dollars. And from that one ad, that $100 I spent, I got one client that pays me $800 a month. Mm -hmm. So there is, there was math that was happening. And so there's plenty of ways to make money on your podcast, but you do have to be patient. And I know that it's hard to be patient and it's <laughs> it sucks to be patient, especially when your vision is so big, but you have to work the steps because the last thing you want to do is to leave your job, especially when you have so many responsibilities. Right now, my only responsibility is my dog and he gonna eat my food if we don't have any food like we're, we're going to be okay but if you have so many responsibilities that is your main focus right now so making sure that you set yourself up in the position to provide no matter what and if it comes to the point where you and your wife are saying hey we have a nice savings account to the point where like if you are making a hundred thousand dollars a year we're still going to be okay because we have this egg this nest then you'll be fine but I always say make sure that the money is lining up perfectly for you to leave the position that you're in and take the time to find those resources that you have available to you so that you can continue to grow your passion so that you can get to the place where leaving your job is the only option and I was the same way I'm like I have to work from nine to five but I have three meetings that are going to make me two thousand dollars per meeting and that's in one day and I'm like, no, 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 I can't do that when my paycheck is less than less than that. <laughs> like I yeah. it was to the point where I was sneaking out of work because I was on hybrid. Sometimes I was working in the office. Sometimes I wasn't. And when I wasn't, baby, I was checking in. I was doing everything I needed to do very quickly. And I was on a meeting trying to make sure that I was having sponsorships coming, that we were having the opportunities come in when we were traveling. And when it gets to that point where you are not making money not making the money that you can because of your nine to five. I think that's when you know that it's time to gracefully departure. Well said, man. Yo, shouts out to uh, Michelle. Who's the last two? Michelle Tillman, Super Chats going up, man. We appreciate the Super Chat. We also had SPC Event Management. We appreciate the Super Chats. Um, I, I, ooh, I got a I get a chance to use my board because I'm gonna tell y'all how I quit the quit my job. This is the first time going through the board. Let's do this, okay? <laughs> I've been wanting to use this board all day, okay? All right. So can you uh, can you hear me? 
Uh, well, I don't know if y'all can hear me or not. All right, this is so exciting. Get to use the board. All right, can y'all hear me? If you can tell, me, if you can hear me, tell me you can hear me. Okay, uh, let me get the picture in picture. Zell. Okay, so this is my my life, right? So we had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. So I had two days off of work. So let's say I was working Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday. Uh, Friday and Saturday. Those are my job days. Can they hear me? Are we good? Can we hear me? Let can us know hear if me? you can hear us are we in good? the chat. Let us know. Can you hear me? While I, am I on there? Yep, I should yeah, be good. I, see you I should there. be good. They can hear Let's you. Y'all can hear me. Okay, good. So this was my work schedule, but I told myself that in my business, I wanted to make $100 on each off day. This yes. was my goal, $100 off days. So I wasn't even really worried. About, and I would make sales throughout the week, but uh, my off days, this was my initial goal. How can I make $100 on each off day? So it took a little while to get there, but I got there, right? Every single Wednesday and Thursday, I'm making $100. When I did this consistently enough, I called my boss and I said, man, if I'm making $100 on two off days, if I had a third off day, I could probably make another 100 So... I asked my boss, like, yo, can you give me Mondays off? However, I'm not going to, like, in the restaurant industry, it's not necessarily that it's, it's like, it's just, like, Sunday through Friday because you could work doubles. And I said, if you'll give me Monday off, I'll work a double on Tuesday. So I'm still working my five days. What happened was, not only on Wednesday and Thursday am I making this $100, on my uh, third off day, I started making 100 as well. Let me, uh, okay, there we go. So on three days, I started making 100. And it, and it was more, but this was my benchmark. When I consistently started making this $100 every single week on every single off day, I called my boss back again and I said, yo, bro, I need another off day. Because if I could make $200 on two off days, 300 on three off days, if I had a fourth off day, I could still make more money, money. right? So I said, yo, listen, I worked in doubles on Sunday, still my doubles on Tuesday, Friday and Saturday. I mean, uh, if, if I can have off, let's just say Saturday. What happened was, started making 100 on my off days. The cool thing is, I didn't lose any money because I'm still working the same amount of shifts at the Cheesecake Factory. The moral of the story is, by the time I left my job, and this took a two and a half year process, by the time I actually left my job, I had replaced my income, but it was based off of a plan. I knew me personally, I wasn't going to work hard and grind every single day. This is a plan based on my own uh, laziness, my own yeah. uh, <laughs> my, my own ability. I knew I wasn't going to grind every single day because I was still out on the streets. I want to hang out with my friends, play cards, go to the club. Boo, I was single at the time, so he wanted to go to the club, so... And lounges and stuff. We just want to be outside a little bit. So I wasn't, I wasn't hustling, but I knew I could dedicate them two hours. So this was my plan. Moral of the story, we have to have some sort of plan of attack. We, we're not just going to say, yo, we're just going to hustle and we're going to grind and we're just going to make it happen. No, I had a real life plan. Yo, listen, we set up this board last week and we didn't get a chance to use it, so there we have it. Somebody's gonna give me a pause. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're using this board. Okay, um we had a we had another we have some interesting stats. Okay, let's keep going. Um 
96% of people who are self-employed have no desire to go back to a regular job. I know that's right. Once you're bit by the bug. I think a lot of that has to do with also because they can't. Mm. Like, let's keep it real. You can't? Nope, you quit. Like, I can't go back to Verizon. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it real. Like some jobs you left, they not going to hire you back or that, that position has been filled or For that sure. job is like, it's like when people move out of New York. You know, I know a lot of people left New York and they, they you know, I want to come back, but guess what? You can't. This rent went higher and you lost it's your place <laughs> that was affordable. So now you stuck where you at. Yeah. A lot of people try to come back. They on somebody couch and then they mm-hmm. swag, they surfing. Like, <laughs> then they end up going right back to where they came from. It's like, bro, you should have never left. And um, so that number, I think a lot of it has to do with they just have to now grind out that entrepreneurship or even better yet, find a space where they can fit inside, take their talents and fit inside somebody else's entrepreneurship dream. See, what's up, podcaster or soon to be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you 
No right now, yet. You got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal. That triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. Secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal you don't always have to be the catalyst you can be a great uh vice president to somebody else's dream you could be a good sponsor you know, one of the things I like to promote and talk to my community and people about is you don't have to be the one to actually go out there and go buy real estate and go fix it and flip it and do the work. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually find somebody who knows how to do a lot and say, okay, cool, go do it. How much will that cost me to, how much will it cost me for me to invest in that thing? The, a lot of the greatest investors and visionaries and people who actually are entrepreneurs, we don't do work. You know, there's the, look at Steve Jobs. Do you think he sat at a soldering board and had a a soldering iron and putting these things together? You know, one of the stories is that he had a, his uh, disc player and a bunch of CDs walked into an engineer's office and said, I want all this stuff inside here. Make it happen. That engineer didn't get no credit. He invented the the iPod touch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He got the, he got all the credit because of a vision. For me, the vision that you have is more powerful than the doing you can ever do. There's a book called Who Not How. I recommend a lot of you touch that book, Who Not How. It really will show you how to be able to build out on a greater level without you having to be the one to say, oh, I need to dig a hole. Let me find a shovel. No, let me, I have to dig a hole. Let me get somebody else to dig it. Now let me move on to the next part of my vision. Think of the greatest visionaries out there. You know, they have the Elon Musk and you have um, the homeboy with Amazon, um, Jeff Bezos. Bezos, Like he literally was in a garage, Mm -hmm. but he knew if you watch his old videos, he was smiling. Oh yeah, I'm going to be a success. Like like he had the vision. (laughs) He knew all along. So it's the the desire of your vision is greater than your will to do. Mm. Yeah. Somebody said there's always another job though. I like that one. My man said, Ron, there's always another job out there. That's what they said, man. Yeah. So Candace talking about, she said there's always another job. And yes, but when you get, if you ever get a taste of being a full-time entrepreneur and it works out one month, two months, it's like, Ooh, how did I ever like, think about the hours that you're at a job and you have to deal with so much. Now I do believe you'll get uh, paid for what you do. Meaning, You'll you'll be paid uh, in direct proportion to the size of the problem that you can solve. There's a young lady right now, the cashier at McDonald's. When you walk up to the counter, you give that person $5, they're supposed to give you 37 cents change back. She hits the button and it says 37 cents. They pull it out of the till and they give it back to you. Anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. That's not a big problem to solve. So... You'll make minimum wage if you can push the button, it opens, tell you how much to give the person back. If you don't mess that up, you'll make a certain amount of money. Right. But there's also some uh, some people that are, let's say, an attorney. They get people out of jail. They get people from going into 
a very, very bad situation. And by the way, the, the, more you, the better you are at keeping people out of jail or the better you are at your job, the more money you'll make as an attorney because there's levels to attorneys. There's a public defender. I need, the state has to give somebody someone to represent them. So this person doesn't have to, they don't got to be Johnny Cochran. They don't got to do all the research and all that. They just got to defend the person, have a law, a law license, mm-hmm. and they can solve that particular problem. So they're solving a problem for the state. The state pays them a certain amount of money, but they're not going to pay them the person who is the go-to for, um, I don't know, uh, what's it called? Divorce or what's it called? Criminal? Corporate takeovers? Oh, Mergers. hostile takeovers. Hostile takeovers. You need an attorney mm-hmm. who knows what they're doing that's going to save this company hundreds of millions of dollars. They got to pay that attorney. So if you can figure out how to solve bigger problems, you'll make more money. So based on the job that you can, it's going to be very few people that are going to pay you according to what you're worth unless you start adding value to where they need you and you don't need them. Can mm-hmm. I ask you a question, right? And, and staying in context here. Yes. Are there more lawyers than people that do remedial jobs? Supermarket, McDonald's, Not even warehouses. Close. Right. So that's that's a, that's an elite class of people, yeah. right? That's a very small number. The problem is they're set. Like they're not going to walk away from their million dollar, half a million dollar, two million dollar gig. We, let's look at the ones that work in the warehouses, the supermarkets, uh, the pharmacies, uh, all, all these all these low level jobs. They are in the worst position of their life. Automation is going to kill them and wipe them out. You have to start thinking like an entrepreneur in what you want to do. If you're not being a visionary and thinking where your job is going to be the next five years to 10 years, you're going to be a part of a bigger problem of, of what, what the country, I don't want to get too deep with it, but where the country is actually pushing you to be in. Right. They want you to be on the breast of the company of the country. If you can't pack, if you can't do warehouse, if you can't be at the register, if you no longer do these things, then what is there left for you to do? Are you a viable commodity now? No, you're going to be forced to get on some kind of program to actually pay you less than what minimum wage was actually paying you. So where is the thought process with that? You already saying you don't make enough money but you're not trying to do anything to make more money. And at the same time, you're doing a job that will eventually be gone due to robotics. Mm -hmm. So where are you in this space of being a viable commodity for the country? Mm -hmm. You need to take a hard look into the mirror. And I tell people when you have doubts and questions about what you're going to do, where you're going to be, don't ask these questions to yourself in the dark. I need you to turn on the brightest light. I need you to look in the mirror. I need you to look deep inside your eyes, find that soul in you and go, What the hell am I doing? What am I going to do for my child, my children, my grandchildren, whoever, when this job is gone? Because I know I'm pushing a register now and I don't even have to type in the price. Somebody asks for a hamburger and a shake. I push a picture of a hamburger, a picture of a shake. The change comes out automatically. I don't Mm -hmm. have to do nothing. How long will I be keeping this job? Now, if you're in that space and you know it's coming and you're not doing anything, well, guess what? You're already setting yourself up for the major failure to be a part of the people who we look around into the walking dead, as I call it, in Atlanta, New York, and L.A., who are out there being homeless. These people once had a life and a job. 
But now guess what? It's not there. And when you have the lowest job on the rung of the ladder and there's nothing underneath that job, where do you go? What mm. do you do? Start finding your passion, please. Man. When I left my job and when I, I did a three months notice because we were actually somebody new was transitioning into the company and I wanted to make sure they were trained up properly. But I said, I do not want a job again. I don't want to have another job. That does not mean that I'm not out here making money. My aunt, entrepreneuring, that's my job. But now I'm I had to sit down and I was like, what skills do I have? What skills have I mastered? And I sat down and said, wow, this list is long. And it's not until I really sat down and I said, okay, I can help actors self-tape. I'm a professional at that. I know the casting business. I'm a professional at that. I know how to do script analytic. I know how to analyze a script. I know how to produce a podcast. I know all of these skills. I have master's degrees in some of these skills. Here are all the things that I have. Now, how will I make these skills work for me? And it wasn't until I sat down and said, what are the skills that I have and how can I make them make me some money? And that I realized that I have everything that I need. And I think a lot of people don't sit down with themselves truthfully and say, these are the skills that I actually have that I've actually mastered because I'm no longer sitting in comparison to what everybody else has. And now here are the skills that I want to have that I want to master. So now I have what I know that I have and where I plan on going so that I can use everything that I have to make money, to make this my full-time gig. Cause I don't have a job. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, y'all better get some skill sets out here. Cause AI is taking over. We got a caller coming in. We got another. All right. Michaela shares. She had to spin the block one more time. Come on up. What up? What up? Hey, thank you guys for having me again. I'm so sorry to take up the time. I just, I, I just got to take advantage. Spoiler alert, Storm is actually my mentor. Okay. So wherever I got to follow that man to get some extra questions answered, that's what I'm going to do. Love it. So, Love it. <laughs> so um, Storm just made me $50,000 last week. I just closed on a deal. Thank you for that. I already Ooh. thanked him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he's amazing. So now I'm in a situation where it's time to grow is time to scale and if I'm being honest with myself I am scared I'm scared to death of failing mm -hmm. 50,000 is not a lot of money um and I, I can't mess this up so my question to you Storm is how or what is your advice on assessing risk and how do you handle that like how do I handle the fear of, of failure in my journey of success mm -hmm. wow. Wow. Man. wow believe it or not is easy and this is something that I'm really riding this horse all next year. Um, group economics. Group economics is the safest and smartest way to expand on how to take a little bit of money, turn it to a lot of money, and to surround yourself with knowledgeable people. Um, as you know, within the community, we did a $2.5 million multi-unit. I could easily say, you know what, I'm going to go just go buy this unit myself and do this deal myself. But for me, I always want to incorporate people to get involved with projects because it's easier now that I did the legwork. I got all the great people involved. And more importantly, people didn't just take their money and say, here, go get this thing. No, they are investors and owners inside this property. So after five years, after we put these other ADU units on here, we sell it. They actually get a portion of the proceeds because they own it. 
Now we're doing, we're doing the land deals, as you know. Like, you could take $50,000 and buy one building or $50,000 to buy 10 buildings and partner with people using group economics. When we see these buildings and all these, we hear uh, real estate people say, I have 200 doors. They don't own them doors by themselves. They don't. Like, I have 1,200 doors. They have at least 20 partners. So we have to get out of the mindset that we've been raised in doubt that we can't work with other people and believe that you can work with people who've knowledgeable to now invest with other people to create a portfolio with $50,000, $8,000 changed my life. $8,000 turned into almost $3 million because I learned to use group economics and partner with smart people and left my job in five years. Not the brownstone I bought for 300,000, which is worth almost $2 million. I still would have had to work 25 years before that money would have resonated into the equity that it took. It was the $8,000 in group economics. So that's the process for me. Yeah, I got, I got a question for you, too. Um, when you say you're afraid of failure, can you go a little deeper in that? Oh, she's not on. She's not on? No. Okay. Um, Let me dang, see if I, we can bring love, her back love, on. Yeah, I would love to ask that question. Yeah. Because when people say they're afraid of failure, it does, it, it's never what they're saying it is. You know what I mean? It's, you're afraid of something else. Or... You don't want to go after it because you don't think it's going to work out or you're just lazy or it's it's some underlining something. But every time I interview somebody about that question, I'm afraid of failure. It's never failure yeah. because I'm like, OK, what's the worst that could happen when you fail? You so, know what I get from that real quick before it leaves my brain? Because I have a lot of people who tend to say, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. But you know when they become unafraid? When they do it with other people. Mm -hmm. It's the alone part that's yeah. scary. It's not having the other person who knows what you're going through, who's doing the thing that you want to do. A lot of the times, and I hate using this, it's a lot of times people are sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. Like they're actually with someone who don't believe in them, and now they, they're holding all this inside on how to talk to this person that they've been with, they love and they care about about it's not going right, but if I tell them, they're going to tell me I should have never did this in the first place. So how do I tell them that I have a problem and how it's uncomfortable and they're scared. Facts. Surround yourself with the right people. Sorry about I say, that. That's why you I, get a community. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you get in the right community. Shout out more to meet up. That's why, <laughs> that's why you get in the right community so that you have those people around you that will support you along your journey. And then also you get around people like this and I, we were talking about it earlier today, you get around the thinking that outthinks you so that in those moments where you get scared, you have somebody else's thinking to lean on. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's even deeper than that. Like when, if you grow up in an environment where you watch your parents struggle and mm -hmm. I've seen, there was a time where ugh, kids are just so stupid. They don't know. They think your parents, you think your parents have everything. And the time where I was a teenager, really pissing off my mom, and she was like, all I have is you, and I am trying my hardest to do everything I can to make sure you don't see the way that I'm struggling to make sure that you eat mm -hmm. and that your clothes look good and that your hair is done. You don't see that. And the time that in the, the people that do get to see behind the curtain, you see that 
Oh, wow. The lights are about to be turned off. Oh, wow. I don't have a place to stay. Oh, wow. Our, our, our furniture is outside. That is innate in a lot of people. And really their fear is messing up the money. Like, okay, I have $50,000 and no, it's not a whole bunch of money, but to a lot of people, it's a lifetime of money. You know, there are people that are making $20,000 a year with four kids and a wife. There are plenty of people that are doing that. And I think a lot of people, they're scared that they are going to lose it. And they're scared that they're yeah. going to be broken. They're scared that they're going to lose the house. And so, so many people want to hold their money so close to their chest that they don't want to take the risk of being in potentially being with a bad business partner that will lose all of their money. They don't mm -hmm. want to take the risk of spending the money to have a nice studio because what if nobody rents out the studio and I'm just putting money into a deep hole. And I think that a lot of people it's trauma and mm -hmm. it's trauma that comes from generations. My, my cousin, he was like, I was like, why is your credit so bad? And he was like, all I was taught and he's in his early 30, mid thirties. He was like, all I was taught when I went to college was don't get a credit card. Credit cards are bad. Don't get a credit card. Credit cards are bad. And so now the only thing on his credit card, I mean, now the only thing on his credit is student loans. Yeah. And his credit is bad. Sorry if you're watching this. Uh, <laughs> she ain't put your name but, out there, so. But now, but that's because if you're not taught how to use that money and make that money work for you, it's scary. And if you make a big deal and like say this was her first fifty thousand dollars in a week, I'm not making fifty thousand dollars in a week. And it's it you don't want to mess it up. And exactly. I think that that's where the fear comes from. Yeah. So yes. it's really learning how to trust yourself, trust your instincts, trust your resources, trust the people around you, and that know that you have evolved from where you've come from, and there is no stepping back. And if you do take two steps back and make $20,000 in a week instead of $50,000 in a week, you are going to be okay because there is no such thing as failure. You either win or you learn. That's it. That's a fact. Yeah. We, got, we, got, uh, we got her back on. What's her name? Michaela. Michaela, what's up? Yeah. Yes, you can call me Kia for sure. Hi, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened with the connection. But yeah, to answer your question, I mean, she hit it right on the nail. I just, this is, it's been a long time coming for me. I'm a single mother. I'm working two jobs. It is all me by myself out here. And it is hard. When, and when now say, that I have a daughter, I'm sorry. When you say you're afraid of failure, what do you mean exactly? So I'm afraid of fumbling the ball to where I can't recover. You know, I've definitely, you know, have hit rock bottom before. I have definitely come to the end of myself before. But this was all before I had my daughter. Now that I have her, she's in this grind and struggle with me. And just watching her go through this with me is so unfair. It's, it's just so unfair to her. And when, as a mother. When you say fumbling the ball real quick. Explain what that yeah. means. So I, I bought, I had five properties. I was living in a half a million dollar home. I was making six figures. I was on my game and I lost two of my highest um, passive income properties. I lost my job and I ended up following, uh, you know, my daughter's father at the time, who was my fiance to a state. I now know no one in, mm -hmm. we did not work out. So I'm stuck in that state by myself with our daughter trying to figure it out. Right. And but I'm saying, so how did, how did you lose those? So basically moving too fast, mm -hmm. I got a whole lot of funding at one time yeah. and I spread it out again or spread it out over a few deals and some of them went bad. 
Um, also, just living in a new state, I had a whole plethora of different expenses that I, I wasn't aware of. The taxes are different here. The economy is different here. Everything was all new. And like I said, I've been self-taught before becoming a mentee of storm. I was all self-taught for seven years. Yeah. You know, I'm proud of myself of what I've been able to accomplish, but it's to the point where I know I need help. I know there are things I don't know. And the unknown is just getting more and more fearful because, like I said, it's not just me anymore. Whatever I do and don't do is going to directly affect my kids. Right. And so, when that happens, no one's here to save the day, absolutely. you know? So, so real quick, when you say uh, now fumbling the ball, you're saying you're, you're approaching getting more funding like you did last time. And exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm right at that same threshold and I messed it up last time. So now I'm scared to death, scared yeah. to death. Right. And you, I, I'm sorry, real quick. You lost the properties because what people just weren't paying or what? Well, that's when uh, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Texas at the time. So the, uh, w- the, uh, the freezes happened. Both of my properties, high paid properties had pipes that burst. So mm. I had to pay over. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 20k to get repairs done. I had to house my tenants in hotels. I had to house myself in a hotel because I didn't even have anywhere to stay. I completely depleted all of my capital trying to hold on. So it just left me in a terrible position. And I'm just now recovering, you know, and I'm I'm scared. What if this all happens again? You know, we're approaching winter again in Texas. What if this happens? You know, I just I'm scared. I'm Mm. just so scared. Just to jump in. This is where the power of mentorship comes in Mm -hmm. 
every situation that she's explaining that happened, I heard it from a lot of people. The biggest thing we don't do as people is ask somebody for help, especially when something's going wrong, um, because we don't want to show that chink in the armor, especially when people see, you know, you just bought three or four homes and you're doing good and house is good. You with somebody, y'all just moved. And now it's like this facade went up. And now it's like, how do I tell people that this, this house is crumbling down around me? How do I tell them? You know, if during this COVID time, which there were people who made money during COVID, there were people who made a lot of money during COVID. And there were people who didn't know how to get to the money to COVID, how to take care of when you had pipes burst and situations where people wasn't paying rent. I went through those things too, you know, and I wish uh, there would have been a time where I would have known and worked with her because I felt like not felt I know, but I know a tons of people, even with health, we as people will find something wrong and be like, I don't even want to go to the doctor because I don't want to know what they're going to tell me because I already know something wrong. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. I'm going to try to figure this out. We have to get past that. If something's wrong, you literally have to say, okay, I got to talk to somebody who can help me through this and not try to pay my way through it because I don't have enough money to fix what's going on around me. Yeah. So now hopefully she's in a good space now where she has access to ask a lot of questions, not just to me. Because it's the power of the community. I empower my community with the information. Because if I get hit by bus tomorrow, I want to make sure they have enough knowledge to take care of themselves. It's not like I just hold this note. I make sure. So whatever she needs, she knows the information is there. She knows we're all there for her. And um, I just want her to be reassured to always seek knowledge. I know that's cliche what I say, but it means so much. Ask a question before you jump out there. And she does ask a lot of questions, which is good. But ask first before leaping. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let, me, let me ask you one more question. Um, sure. What would have helped you not crash like you did when, you know, you were in that situation? What do you wish you did or had in that scenario? You know what? To be honest, I really think what I needed, I needed a circle of influence that basically were smarter than me. You know, um, I'm the only person out of my family to graduate college to make six figures. And me, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest of like 32 siblings. And so um, it's, Hold I had on, no whoa, one. Wait, oh, that's not too bad. I'm just going to go right past that part. 32 siblings? <laughs> Yeah, so I have one on my mother's side. My dad was a Rolling Stone. I can say that because he'll tell you himself. I, I don't even know all of my siblings on my father's side, wow. but I know I am the baby. And, you know, my when the baby doesn't even... Crazy, have, crazy, shooting up all the yeah. clubs. Oh, what? Rolling Stone. All the clubs. He still, to this day, he has three women now. I have three different stepmothers. It's, it's ridiculous, but that's my father. I love him, and it is what it is. But, you know, I just... I never had that support. So I think if I had that, you know, just someone to call on and be like, dang, what should I do? Hey, this happened. How should I handle this? You know, but like Storm said, no one wants to ask the question. And he's right. I really don't. Because you don't want to be a burden. You don't want to feel needy. You don't want to feel, you know, I, I just, my pride gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. So I do feel safe to ask questions within the community now that I have one, thank God. But, you know, at that time I had nothing. I, hadn't, I still have no one really but my community 
but um, it feels a lot better now. Good, good. Well, that's, that. that's, well, that's all you need. Um, I think when we have issues where something hurts, you know what I mean? Like we go through a really, really bad situation. Yeah. It will hit us again if we don't learn from it. And right. not, not just learn, but we got to put things in place. So I remember a situation where I was down to being flat broke and I, I didn't have anything at all. And I needed some money to like, I need a vehicle. I need to stay like going to work, stuff like that. And I realized the issue was I didn't have a savings for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. And I had enough to pay my bills, so I'm good. I was calculating how much money I had versus how much money I had to spend. And I had enough. I'm good. But I didn't have anything else put to the side. So once I got into a better position and I started making more money, I said, Ooh, this will never happen again. Let me start saving a little bit. Let me start putting something to the side. So if this situation, unfortunate situation happens again, I know I got some money to the side. I started fixing my credit and started getting as many credit cards as I could, but not using them yep. because I don't want to go through this situation again where I have nothing. I have no parachute. Mm-hmm. So you have to like, start putting things in place so that whatever happened last time doesn't happen again. Because it's Murphy's Absolutely. law. If something can go bad, it will, it will. Yeah. every single time. It's just how you prepare. Yep. And then also you can't be, you can't operate in insanity. Like, whatever mm-hmm. happened last time, you can't repeat the same actions because you're going to get the same exact result over facts. and over and over. Those are the facts. Okay. All right. Um, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate you. Um, thank you, guys. Oh, so more, more, we got another call? Uh, not just yet. Okay, cool, cool. Um, call in. We'd love to hear your voice. We'd love to hear from you. Also, let's uh, get another, some more stats. I thought this was really, really uh, important. We appreciate you, Dre. Uh, people under 35 and highly educated are even more likely to consider entrepreneurship at a rate of 50%. That's a shockingly high number. And oddly enough, the more satisfied a traditional employed person is at work, the more likely they are to consider self-employment. Hmm, that's interesting. The more satisfied a traditional traditionally employed person is at work, the more likely they are to consider self-employment. That is interesting. I was satisfied at my job. And I'm under 35. I I had an excellent employer. I was working in my field. I was very happy. I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got to the point where I was like, it's time for me to do this for me. And I have two degrees. I'm gearing up for my PhD soon. I'm working and I'm under 35. So I'm definitely fit in that statistic. But when I was, I cried when I left my job. My mm. Me and my employer both had a like, moment where we cried and we were very happy about me departing she was proud of me but she was very sad to see me go but it was because I learned the skills and I used the skills and I knew that there was something bigger than this and even then she was I was I dare say her best employee Mm -hmm. but I also wasn't getting paid what I knew that I could and that was in my field with a master's degree. So I, I, I agree with that. I don't know. I agree with it. Satisfied at your job. And maybe it's because your, I guess satisfaction means you begin to start coasting Mm -hmm. and maybe, I don't know, but maybe it's, um, I just want more. I want more. You you know what I mean? It's a good job. It's cool. When you really lean into learning your value, 
that is when you are going to start moving in the right direction. Because even um, after undergrad, I was like, okay, I will still do free work. After grad school, I was like, I'm not doing free work. Um, once I started working in a field that I really enjoyed, I was like, I'm not making enough money because my skill set is higher and I'm seeing other people with my same skill set using it in the way that they should to make more money. And as soon as it clicked that people are going to pay top dollar for my skill, I was like, this is the path that I have to go. But it really takes that time and it really takes you knowing yourself. And um, I keep going back to it, but stop comparing yourself to other people. <laughs> Comparison mm -hmm. is the thief of joy. And I really thought that everybody was doing better than me. But in reality, I had more skill. I just wasn't putting it in the right direction. And as soon as I started doing that, everything started flourishing. I want to jump back to something that you said earlier. You said all you had to do is put the seed in the ground. And I halfway agree with that. But... I garden. I have a huge garden in the backyard. Not all you have to do. You have to put more. <laughs> if you put a For seed sure. in, uh, it reminds me of that fences monologue um, by August Wilson. If you put your seed in hard, rocky soil, it's not going to grow. That's a fact. You need to make sure before you even put the seed in the ground, it's with that preparation. You have to till the soil. You have to make sure that your compost is right. You have to make sure that soil is water, that it's nurtured, that it's cared for. When you put the seed in the ground, you can't just put the seed in the ground and expect it to grow. You have to water it. You have to come outside and make sure that the temperature is right. You have to put a greenhouse on top of it if it needs to. Once it starts sprouting, if it's like um, if you're cooking collard, if you're making collard greens, you have to go out there and make sure that you wipe the water. You water it early in the morning, wipe the water off so that the sunspots don't get to it so that you can have a nice harvest. It's more than just putting that seed in the ground. Mm -hmm. That's just the first step. And the sure. first step can be great, but you have to make sure that every single step that you do beyond putting that seed in the ground is perfect so that you can have the beautiful garden so that you can have the fruitful so that you can flourish in your skill. Yeah, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with you. Um, and I think it's going to determine the actual level of success that you want. Yeah. I believe if you are a giver, you will get. I mean, it's like, yo, you you drop seeds of love, you will receive love, right? You drop seeds of kindness, you will get some kindness. If you begin to sow into other people, I think something will come back. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be determined on, it depends on how high you want to go, yep. right? That, that determines how much work you have to do after you plant the seed. You may be able to plant a seed, put it in the ground, and because it rains, because the sun just happens to be out, it might grow a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if you want a garden, if you want an abundance, I'm talking about you want a garden, there's so much more that has to go into it, which kind of brings me to my next question. How much should someone actually want? Ambition. How much should you want? Do you need to make a million dollars? Do you need to be a millionaire? Do you need hundreds of millions of dollars? Do you need to be a billionaire? How much real estate do you need? How much should you want? Right. For me, being that I, I, I proud myself from being a visionary of everything, like not just seeing right there. So, and I literally just had this call with my community. I said, I don't never want you to put a, a cap. Like I said, for example, I said, how much money does everybody need right now to be happy? Like, how much? Put it in the chat. So they put in there 5 million, 100 million, 200 million, 5 million. They put in all these numbers. And I said, what you literally did was create a ceiling. <laughs> you told me how much money you need for your time. Like right now, I need this much money. And once you start getting uh, enamored with the I, 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 
you're only gonna make enough money based on you. Come on, when man. you start thinking about your on, legacy, man. your mm -hmm. children, your vision, yes. your great grandkids, there's no number that I can ever come up with. I can't tell you I need five billion. You know why? Because I I don't know what technology looks like. I don't know where the world's gonna be, where my great great grandchildren are gonna need that money. So anytime you start looking at I, it's the worst place to be in. I tell people this all the time. I say, if you look at your children and you look at them to see how much you look like them, it's vanity and you're being vain and you're thinking about you. Yeah. You need to look at your children and imagine the children that will be coming from your children. And now you have a bigger vision of what it looks like because all you're doing is going in a circle. They look like me. I look like them. They look like me. They look like them. I got money. They got but now you say, wow, wow. What are, what are my grandkids going to look like? Okay, how much money they're going to need? How much she's going to need? Now what you're actually going to do, you're going to sit down and do the paperwork which needs to be put in place. You need to have a living trust. Yeah. One of the things I'm known for, standing in front of a whiteboard after reading Rockefeller's Trust from 1934 in a book called What Will Rockefeller Do? I got on a whiteboard and I took a life insurance policy for $500,000 and showed you how to turn it into $14 million with compound interest. And that's how people found me. They're like, who's this dude on this whiteboard and did the math? And then you had these, uh, these lawyers and accountants and they're going, believe it or not, this guy's right. Rockefeller did something we can all do. Use the power of your life. You might not have millions now. You might not even want to be a millionaire. But guess what? The day you stop breathing, your life is worth millions of dollars. If you have car insurance, cell phone insurance, and you don't have life insurance, you're being selfish. You need to have that. Use it as a tool to provide for the children that's coming from your child because they may not be able to own real estate. They may not be able to become entrepreneurs. The stats that we're reading right now will look highly significant and different. They will be less significant and look highly different 10, 15 years from now when everybody who I mentioned who are doing these low-level jobs will be forced to be entrepreneurs. Mm. There's a group of people they're bringing into the country to be a new middle class. And that's no knock to them because you know why? They're escaping unrest. They need to get away. A lot of us parents and grandparents were came here to give us a better life. But America cannot succeed if we are in a third generation of people. I know I'm going on, right? But let me get this out. We are now in a third or fourth gener generation of us. Meaning our parents came here and the first thing they said was, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make sure I work hard to make sure what? So my child could get an education. So now you go to school. What does that entail? You going to college, you getting debt, student loans, bingo. It's a business. America needs that. What's the next thing you do? Now you go get a job, bingo, you paying taxes. What do you do after that? Now you're going to buy a home. Bang, that's a mortgage. You paying more taxes. But then you gave birth to a child who now has one foot in the dirt and one foot in luxury. Mm. Now they going, hmm, my grandmother worked hard, but my father barely worked hard. So that means I don't have to work hard. And we're at the phase where we're looking at a third generation of a child who came from a parent that was a sharecrop in the field going, I don't want to work those jobs. I don't want to do that. I just want to turn on my phone and do videos and try to make money that way. <laughs> America can't survive with that. So now they need a new group of people who's a first generation that they will pay for their kids to go to college. They will pay for their kids to get mortgages because the business of what's going on in America is being uh, is self-destructing right in front of our eyes. And you know what? 
America can't run without people working and getting mortgages and getting college debt. So that's just my thought about uh, that, brother. That's good. Spicy. That's good. Hey, listen, man, if y'all enjoying this, man, make sure y'all hit like, hit the like button. There's a hundred and something people on this live. We only have 62 likes. It is free to support. We need that engagement. And then make sure y'all also dropping some super chats in that chat because look, we supporting some kids out here so that they we can have they can see people like them thriving in this community today. Absolutely. 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 10 jobs with the highest risk of automation occupation, food science technician, procurement clerk, librarian technician, cargo and freight. Listen, jobs are going away. Jobs are going away. And I think uh, probably for the last 20 years, they've been saying jobs are going away Mm -hmm. and jobs are going to work. Like automation is a real thing. My question, though, is what do we do about it? Well, we what I mean, eventually, like what, Sagan? I'll say we have a caller. We got a caller? Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're we going to get into that. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what happened. Question. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we got a caller. Um, go ahead. You are live on Social Proof. All right, Adina. Uh, hey there. How are you? Hey, Adina. What up? Hi. Um, so I have a two-part question. It kind of bounces off of what you just about the American business and then it may also lead into what you're about to say about automation. So my first question is just what are some questions to ask um, ourselves when we need to make that plan to exit out of lower level jobs and just to exit out of um, just being in low level and debt and trying to get from up under where we are. And then with that question, like with those questions, what are some financial areas and questions that we should learn to help us with financial literacy? Because you had mentioned um, financial literacy and personal business will, re- I'm sorry, in our personal life will reflect in our business life. All right, check out. You could take that. You give me, give me, I, give me, give me the question you. one more time. I was uh, doing tech stuff. <laughs> Wrap it up in, real okay. quick. So, are you re- are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So um, it was pretty much just what are some questions um, that we should ask ourselves when trying to ex- to make our exit out of lower level jobs and just debt and just being towards the end or at the bottom, I should say. And then within that, what are some financial areas and questions that we should learn to build our financial literacy? Because you had mentioned uh, our financial literacy and our personal life will reflect in our business life. A hundred percent. Okay. Really, really good question. One is, how much do I need to make every single month? Yep. Very important question. Very, it may seem basic, but it's a very, very important question. You need to know how much does it take to live with someone on top of it. So your mortgage, your your car note, your insurance, your um, about how much you spend on average in food. I'm not telling you to eliminate your Netflix and stuff like that. Add that on there. To live the lifestyle that you're living right now, how much does it take? You might come up with a number, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000. Well, as an entrepreneur, you can't just look at, like if you have a job and you're saying, oh, well, I'm going to make $5,000 a month in my business because it only takes me $5,000 to live. That doesn't work that way. No, no, no. Because you don't get to keep the whole 5000 remember. Oh, and when your car breaks down. Oh, uh, 100%. So there was a couple things that I had to take into consideration when I left my job. One, how much does it take me to survive and live? I need to be bringing in double that. Mm-hmm. 
But not only that, and it's not like once I hit this particular target goal of income, I'm going to leave my job. I need a level of savings because the storm is coming. Something's going to happen that you're not prepared for. So we need to have something that's cushioning us. So it might be three months, six months. So if you make, if it takes you $4,000 a month to live, considering everything, your kids, school, all that kind of stuff, $4,000 a month, I say you probably need three to six months savings. That's $12,000, $16,000, something $20,000 saved up somewhere. Now, some people might say, oh, that's a lot of money. Well, you need to go to work. You need to go to work. You need to, like, there are a lot of people, too. You have a certain amount of money that you make on your job, and you have a certain amount that you make on your business, but for some reason you still can't get ahead because it's all commingled into one account. Mm -hmm. And you're using money that you made from your business to go out and eat and give your parents, uh, you know, their birthday gift or whatever because you got extra money. And you might be one of those people where you're going to spend what you see. Yep. So I am in a position right now when I get an influx of money, if I do something really special and I make a bunch of money, I hurry up and go buy real estate because if I see it, I'm going to spend it. Mm -hmm. But if it's not in my account and I don't see it, so as an entrepreneur, you need to have a separate account and it needs to go into somewhere that you can't easily, get. listen, cut up that debit card so you got to go to the bank and get that money. Something like that, yeah. right? You kind of probably need a card for expenses, but you need to, one, find out how much you need to live, two, have some sort of savings, and three, don't quit off of a good month. Mm -hmm. Can you, like, let's look at the average income you've made over the last six months, seven months, eight months in your business, because now we can see, okay, well, it's, it's kind of solid now. I didn't leave for two and a half years. For me, um, I really would like you to look at the longevity of your job. How many years will it be around? What is coming? How quick could you be replaced? And also, this is something I need everybody, whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a job or you're doing both. And if you do, if you have both, I need you to sit down and do a profit and loss statement. I need you to see exactly how much money you have left over after you doing everything, paying your bills, the money in your personal life and your business. A profit and loss is going to tell you exactly what you have left over, not around about not figuring out, well, I got a couple of dollars. No, you need to know exactly in detail because all it takes is one slip up and now you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. So now also another thing is there's a book called Profits First. You need to start paying yourself first. We find a reason to book this big trip to Hawaii and go, well, I'm going to pay this bill late. I'm going to pay this <laughs> a little late and you could go to Hawaii. Start paying yourself first and putting that money aside and account. I would recommend a compound interest account. Start looking at what a compound, what compound interest looks like. Mm -hmm. Start knowing your numbers. Start treating your personal numbers in your life like it's a business. So when you do graduate over to your business, guess what? You had a head start. Yeah. Don't play blind to the numbers. That's, that's my. You yeah. got to get real comfortable looking at your bank statements at the end of the month. And mm. I avoided those like the plague. But it wasn't until I think I started January of this year, maybe February. I told myself I would do it in January and I started February of this year where I was looking at my bank statements and I saw every single transaction and it makes you hold yourself accountable. No, I didn't need this. Yes, I need this. Why am I still paying for this? How can I make sure that I'm adjusting what I'm doing every single month so that I am 
having the things that I feel like I need. I get the things that I want, but I'm also not spending so much that is unnecessary. And when you are able to hold yourself accountable with your personal finances, you'll be able to hold yourself accountable in your business. And finding a good tax person, finding if you're not good at it, find a good accountant that will hold you responsible and not just say, okay, I made your statements for the month. Here it is. Have somebody that asks you the hard questions. There are some entrepreneurs that are not great with money and that's why they have a team and sometimes they have to pay a little bit extra to have that team that will hold them accountable and if that is what you need then do it but be comfortable looking at the numbers be comfortable at saying you know what i did not have to spend three hundred dollars on at ross i could have actually saved that money and bought myself new equipment that I needed for the business, or I could have just sat in it and put some more in savings or paid down a credit card. You have to be comfortable holding yourself accountable with money. hundred percent. I got a, a couple more things. One, um, you should be looking at the trend of your business. Like, um, is it going up? Are you doing better and better every month? Even mm-hmm. if it's slightly, right? Is it, um, and can you, can you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, reverse engineer how you perform this month. So can you look at, oh, well, I did this, I, can, I did good this month. And you can look back at the month and find out why you did good. Oh, I went to a trade show. Oh, which means if I go to another trade show, it'll work. Mm-hmm. So not just as entrepreneurs, we just, we have ups and downs and we don't start analyzing the ups and downs. You need yeah. to know, okay, why did I not do so well this particular month? Oh, maybe I'm in a business where I need the parents' attention and in September or August, the parents are worried about school. That makes sense, which means next year, around this time, I have to put something in place where I gotta go extra hard, July, June, April, before that, May. I gotta go extra hard because I'm gonna I'm gonna have this slow period. This is when you get smart about an entrepreneur about being an entrepreneur. And the second thing is, why are you deciding to leave your job? Are you leaving because somebody pissed you off at work? That is a terrible reason to quit. Facts. Are you leaving because you just feel that you're greater? Are you are you are you quitting because uh, somebody said, um, "Hey, the Lord told me <laughs> <laughs> you will have a business one day." <laughs> Lord told me you need to quit your job right now because I think again when I quit, it stopped making sense to have a job. Yeah, mm-hmm. wasn't emotional. Yeah. I, it just it's, it's starting to get in the way I, I'm, I'm losing opportunities now this job is costing me money so i'm leaving not off of emotion so i hope all of that helps you yes thank you so much nina so we have a we have a question that came in this person wasn't able to be on the phone how do you break down your vision into actionable everyday steps that get you closer to the goal like, I know what I need to do, but what changed it for you to go from knowing to actually doing? Where did it click? How did you build momentum for yourself when the vision is there, but it hasn't manifested yet? We know how you are about manifestation. That's a long question. <laughs> Anybody got? I got? I got answers, but. Yeah, I got answers too. Man. Yeah, I answers um, too. yeah, I've got plenty of answers. Um, <laughs> how, when you know the vision and how do you break it down so that you can, you know the vision, you need to break it down step by step so that you can get the finished product. That's what the question is? Yes. Great. Holding yourself accountable, having a community. Um, I am grateful enough to have a business partner where we get to look each 
each other in the face and say, hey, you didn't do this this month. And that is the reason why we're not making this amount of money. Um, knowing if you write down the vision, the whiteboards that everybody has, I think everybody has go out and buy some whiteboards and buy some erase markers and take it step by step. If your goal is that you are going to do a hundred, a hundred sales in a month, you probably need about 500 to a thousand people hitting your website. So how are you going to make sure that that happens? And that's, wonky numbers. I don't sell things. I just talk, <laughs> um, but you need more people coming to your website so that they can actually buy something. So it's really taking those steps and making sure that you hold yourself accountable. And each day that you have a plan, I say there are going to be good days and bad days. We're emotional. We're humans. It's going to happen. So when I make a plan on a Sunday, I'm like, okay. And I know that right now while I have all the energy and I have all the gumption, I can make three TikTok videos. And I know that I at least have three pieces of content that are going to come out this week because I have the energy right now. We're human. We're going to have days where we don't believe in ourselves. And when you do have those days, you have a stockpile of content. You have a stockpile of things that you need so that you can still bring people in on those bad days. Nice. And then you'll get there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, definitely seeing the plan. Yeah. The whiteboard is so crucial. Whatever it is that you want to do, your life needs to revolve around that. You need to look inside your cell phone and look at your last 10 messages. If none of those 10 messages speaks about where you're trying to go, what you're trying to do, start get rid of those people and stop conversing about that madness. Mm -hmm. Look at the last five phone calls. Were any of those phone calls revolving around what you're trying to do? Look at that extra time that you have. And believe me, you do have extra time, no matter if you say you don't. You work eight hours a day. Didn't you come home and go, I'll do it on the weekend? Well, what about when you come home and you want to watch Sports Center, Evening News, and now you say you did two hours of that, but you didn't give it to your business? Mm. For me, I had this thing, and I still wear it to this day on my wrist. It says, One billion reasons. And this reminds me, I had a billion reasons why I didn't need to work for nobody. Like I, this, every time I look at this now, I'm not working for them no more. It just gives me that feeling like I was on the right track. Everything should, should equal. What is it that you're saying you want to do? Or you're literally just talking to hear yourself. If you still having conversations with the same people about the same thing, but then you say you want to start a business, then unfortunately you're going to have to now get out of that circle. And then people blame the people around them and say, well, I got to stop hanging around these people because they stopping me from being a better version of myself. And I'll tackle that one too, real quick. You don't have to stop hanging around them. You just have to change who you are and they'll yep, stop yep. wanting to be around you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. They wouldn't want to be around you. And then I need everyone in it, one day because it took me a while. Stop saying you want to be a better version of yourself because the version of you now that's going to work, that's procrastinating, that's not doing the thing you say you want to do. You're only going to be a better procrastinator. You're only going to be better at your job. So a better version is the one that doesn't exist in the world of you succeeding. You have to say, I want to be a new 
person. I need to change. If I'm running at 60% and that 40% is what I need to win, well, you're going to have to take that 60% version of you, take it outside, and you're going to have to slaughter it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to kill it and say, you're not doing me no good. I got to focus. I, it needs 100% of my attention to focus on that 40% that I'm lacking so I could be that better thing than what I was yesterday. What that better thing is? Better at killing the old version of yourself because you change. That's what I say you need to do. That's just my hundred percent, man. Life life is a series of decisions or the results. I believe where everyone is right now is the sum total of all the decisions that you've made. Yeah. So, but it's not the decisions that you make today that create your life today. It's all decisions that you made three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, and they're showing up right now. So I, when you're in a position where you know you need to do something, but you don't do it, you've made a huge decision that will show up later. So you know you need to go out and grind. You know you need to go out and approach people with your product. You know you need to be able to create, you know you need to create content. But for some reason, you don't. Mm-hmm. These are the moments that create the biggest results later. Mm-hmm. So we got to look at all the things we decided or decided to do or not to do today. Cause I'm telling you, these decisions will show up. You think that, Oh, well, I'm just going to sit and eat ice cream right now. You think that's not going to show up in your health later. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's going to show up in my health later. At least I'm aware. You know what I mean? But I, I can't complain about saying, Oh, well, why don't I have the fit body that I want? I don't, I don't have the license to complain about that. Yeah. Cause I eat what I want. I love pasta. I love it. Thanks. I'm like, I love Italian food. Almost like intimately attracted. <laughs> That's nice. awesome. That's I love awesome. it. I love it. Oh, bro. It's like a, Sweet. I don't know, it's, a ener- it's an energy we got. You know what I mean? It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Pasta see me, I see the pasta, it's like a yo. And the music starts it's playing in the background. <laughs> the room goes black. They start gravitating to each other. Yeah, you don't know my Lady in a tramp. Baby, baby, baby. <laughs> So I can't complain about it, right? But the fact that you go to work every day for eight, 10 hours, then come home and you do nothing about your business, you have no right to complain about where you are financially mm. right now. You have, yeah. no, you have no room to excuse the, the audacity of someone to complain about not having a garden when you failed to plant the seeds. You failed to cultivate the garden. You can't complain about that. You didn't do anything. But it's not that you didn't do anything today. You might be motivated and inspired today, but I'm telling you, you're going to have to pay for them last five years of laziness. Yeah. With another five years of pure grind, and I promise you, it starts to show up. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. You also have to reverse engineer it. Yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite things is look at the big, the final result. It's the same thing as the GPS. Mm-hmm. The GPS needs to know the final destination before it can tell you the route. That's a fact. That's a you fact. remind me of something that I wanted to throw into. There's another book. I'm, I'm big on books and I'm big on audio books. Like I'm reading. There's a book, 10X is Better Than 2X. I need you guys to get your hands and listen Look. to these books that I'm giving you. Life changing. The bigger you make your goal, even if you don't make it all the way there yet, you got so, so far than where you were. Because if you just set a goal, for yourself, you're so focused on a goal when you need to be thinking about the journey it took mm. you to get to the goal. Because yeah. if you make a goal and hit your goal, guess what you're going to do? Try to create the next goal. 
Mm-hmm. For me, it's always the journey, and I'm always looking so far ahead that I scare myself. And when I scare myself, that's when I know I achieve the ultimate thought. Tuesdays are what I call my euphoria thought days. I don't take calls. I don't take meetings. I allow myself to sit and think about my business, think about the world, think about money, think about my family. And I want my thoughts to grow so far ahead that it requires me to write down something that I would have never thought of because those calls and those meetings got in the way. Mm. Euphoria Tuesdays are it for me. So I want you to do that. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Um, so do we have, hey, listen, guys, we, we, uh, send us a text message at that number. Go ahead. Throw them, uh, make sure we maybe we do some likes. Okay. We got 168 people live. Hey. We only have 83 thumbs up. Okay. Super chats. Yo, yeah, for sure. We need them super chats yes. for sure. The one that I'm asking you to do right now is free. Just hit the little like button. It is free. Okay. It doesn't cost you anything to hit the little like button, hit the little thumbs up. Okay. But, uh, if you are getting value, man, we would appreciate a love offering of your super chat, no matter uh, what you decide to offer. Okay, um, there was a, we were we were having a conversation about uh, your value, and employees will soon be replaced, but I don't think that's just relevant for employees. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that will be replaced if you don't continue to add value to the world. Mm -hmm. Does this scare you all? No. Make you nervous? No. Mm -mm. I don't think that as much as like machines can do and say, and you can generate them to do whatever. I still don't believe that a machine can do what I have. They don't have the insight that I have. They, a machine hasn't failed the way that I have failed that a machine has not had to grind the way that I've had to grind. And, a machine don't know how to finesse the way that I know how to finesse. So I really, I think that it's great for you to learn how can I make these machines, this um, artificial intelligence, how can I make it work for me versus me working for it? Mm-hmm. And once you have that that mindset, AI is just another tool, just like this microphone is a tool. Mm. And I, I, I love when I have these conversations. Um, what it does, it puts, it puts me in a space where I need to get out of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, us as human beings, what we do is we live within the window of our life. What I mean by that is whatever's happening now, how does that impact me now? Right? Mm-hmm. So I know like, like she mentioned, it's not going to do whatever I needed to do. We're like, cool. It's, it has a limit. But once I get past, well, what is that going to do for my child? What is it going to do to my grandchildren? Now, how is it going to impact them? How is it going to look in their world? It's going to look totally different. There's no way in the world I would allow a car to come pick me up. The door opens. Nobody's in there driving, saying, let me take you to your destination. Mm -hmm. But guess what? My grandchildren will get in that car. They will grow up in a world where there's nobody driving. They're growing up in a space where we are the test monkeys for everything for that world. So now if we say to ourselves, how am I preparing for the time without me being here for them? We will now be able to leave the things in place that will help them. Because if they're being dumbed down to a a place where they're going to be saying, 
All I want to do is use technology. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to the store. I don't I can order everything. This is this store is literally at the corner. People will call Amazon and not go to the department store or whatever it is right around the corner, but they would click an Amazon button. Um, so we have to be cognizant of inevitability. It's it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And if you don't invest in what's inevitable you will not be creating the wealth. Like people years ago, if they would have invested in something, I'm not even gonna go that far back. If you would have just said, I'm gonna invest $100 in Google, this when it started, you would be a multimillionaire. If you would invest in Disney, you would be a multi. So who are we to be in our lifetime and say, well, I'm not gonna invest in this thing because I'm not gonna be around to see the riches of the thing. We will be unfortunately in a position where when we're not here, the world's going to look different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world's going to, it's, it's inevitable tractors, trucks, drivers. I got to give this little piece. I used to work for Verizon, as you know. I hope they don't come after me. <laughs> I was in a meeting. They were talking to us about new technology. We know know about 5G is out now, but they was telling us about a technology that they were bringing in. And this technology were cell phones that were a plexiglass. How many movies you've seen with majority report these plexiglass phones with just lights? And they're like, yeah, these phones will be coming out and we have to invent these phones. There will be no hardware in the phone. The hardware will be in all of these buildings. And they're breaking it down to us. Why? Because autonomous driving. This was easy 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Autonomous driving will be the thing where you'll be able to punch in your phone to request your car to come pick you up, to go do this, this, that. And the reason why, because inside every phone, if I have an iPhone 13, you got a 14, she has an Android, and you want to call your car, your phone is slower than mine. Now it's a crash happening because you're on a slower system. So they are moving to where everybody phone will be one universal phone. There will be no such thing as we thinking about Android, iPhone 14, 15, oh, wow. 16. It won't happen. I sat in the meeting and I saw this and heard this from the top people of the company. They're so far ahead of us that we are busy thinking about what we're doing now and what AI is doing now when they already know what AI is going to do. Mm. Invest in that vision of the future. And now when you sitting around going, well, uh, I'm worth a hundred million dollars because I invested in this phone and this tech and this AI. Like it's, it's, it's unavoidable. I hope they don't Ooh, snipe me for that. Goodness, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You talk, you talking too too spicy. Can't reveal yeah, their, their secrets. <laughs> I think we really, really got to start working on our skill set, man. And I think the best way to make money at a job is to be uh, irreplaceable, or at least harder to replace. Yeah. You know what I mean? The cashier is super easy. Anybody can push the buttons. Yep. But I, I there was I have a friend who he had a. A, you know, a nice size company, or maybe like 15, 20 employees. The content creator um, was getting upset, right? And he also had another salesperson that was getting upset. The salesperson brought in a lot of money for them. The content creator created good content. Who do you think he cared more that was leaving? The salesperson. Why? Because not everybody can make a sale. I can train somebody to create good content. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm, it's, it's not enough to have, let's just talk to my content creators out there. It's not enough to be able to create content. I get an email every single day from somebody in another country that says, hey, I like to do your reels. I noticed you on YouTube. I know you get them joints from your YouTube. Oh, yeah. Every single day I get these. So you need to figure out how you can be innovative and think through a strategy where, okay, well, I'm going create to this, create this content, but here is a strategy where we can grow the business. If you want to keep your job, I'm telling you, y'all better start thinking and using your brain because the technical stuff AI can do. There's, there's apps out there that you put your your whole your whole podcast into the app. Chopped up for it'll you. chop up clips. Yep. It gives you the title, gives yeah. you the description. It'll write a blog for you. Yeah. It every it'll, it'll write an email for you to tell your audience, you know, text messages, all that. So you think you're super valuable to a person, but if it if it doesn't require thought, I'm telling you, your job is always on the line. You need, we need thinkers around here. So if y'all not starting to think and create strategy and add that type of value, things could get dark, I'm telling you, unfortunately. We have another question. This person couldn't hop on the call. Hello, my name is Garly. I have a question about my next steps. I should take in my career, I should take in my career as I finish school. I'm thinking about moving states to invest in multifamily properties. She can actually invest in multi-family properties without having to move out the state. But if she's going to move, that that's good. But I don't want that to be a reason to delay. Like a lot of people put a goal in front of the goal to say, well, until I move, I'm not going to do this. Like if I would have said, I'm not going to start investing out of state until I go to see these properties. Like I have properties in Alabama, Georgia, uh, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Florida, like most of these places I've never been to, I never plan on going. So if I would have waited, there are people out there who can do the legwork or you can invest in a group who are investing in multi-units now. They're called syndications. You find the right one, you can start investing and start making money. You don't have to wait until you move. Like if you want to find a reason to procrastinate or find an excuse, you'll find one. There's always a reason to find one. So I, I would suggest never put a reason to wait in front of the reason to do. Mm. Just do. Love it. That's good. That's good. Listen, we got any more call, uh, callers or questions? Um, Where's this, this pretty good line? This person just sent another text message. They're in, they must be in class. Okay. I'm a college student about to graduate pharmacy school. I want to get into real estate as soon as possible. I feel initially the market I'm in, which is Florida, won't allow me to house hack fast enough. My question is more so advice on whether or not moving to another state is a good idea. If the objective is to move out of Florida, then I would start looking where you want to live to house hack. Um, I would start looking into programs, which is very viable. Um, and also you need to do that. Let me look in this camera. You need to also... <laughs> Look into doing that now. Start thinking about where you want to live. Where do you want to uh, raise a family? But more importantly, start thinking about out of the United States itself. Mm -hmm. Like we have 2 million baby boomers retiring every single year. By the year 2030, there's literally going to be 40 million baby boomers that retired from the year 2020 up until that time. Baby boomers who gave birth to kids 
who don't want to do the jobs that they that they did. They don't want to do sanitation. They don't want to work Verizon. They don't want to deliver mail. They don't want to drive a train. They don't want to drive a bus, right? And also these baby boomers are saying to themselves, I'm moving and leaving the country. I'm going to live in Costa Rica. I'm going to live in Puerto Rico. I'm going to live in Mexico. These people are leaving. You can now actually become an investor in it throughout these other places. I've mentioned myself, like I'm leaving the country, but I'm still going to come back and forth. I'm investing in other places. I'm looking in Africa, Costa Rica, different countries, because you do not only have to make money in the United States and invest it in the United States. There's a whole big world out there. It's just when you turn on a TV, they make you think the rest of the world is dangerous, it's unsafe, it's scary, it's the worst place to be. And I tell people, I don't care how much drip you got on, what kind of foreign you in, or how much clout you got. All it takes is one police stop and your dream turns to a nightmare immediately. Mm, immediately. So you think you're safe, and I call it Stockholm Syndrome of the country. Like, we've been taught to be so gun ho about, oh yeah, this is the best place to be, the greatest place in the world, the greatest place I personally had. Police stopped me twice, once as a teenager in my 30s, pulled me to the side of the road and not point a gun at me, but in New London, Connecticut, put a gun to the side of my head and said, I don't think you're gonna make it home tonight. Wow. You know, like that could have damaged anybody. Like that, that really, did something to me and and when it happened twice and i'm supposed to say to myself oh this country loves me i don't parents and women should not have to deal with trying to have that conversation of how to deal with a police stop how was it growing up as a a, a black man or how was it as a young woman to how like there's a millions of, of of young black girls women disappearing where's that news so you have to now turn off the switch and say the world is a bigger place. I can make money here, borrow money here, but spend it elsewhere. I know someone that he, he took millions of dollars and I pause and I'm stuttering because I don't want to put his business out there. But he borrowed millions of dollars here, took it to another country, and he's a billionaire. Mm. Billionaire. Why would you get assets in a place to borrow the money where they can say, okay, now we coming for the assets. If you borrow money, buy assets, and now those assets are producing, you could pay it back. But more importantly, oh, come put a lien on this house I have over in uh, Uganda. Oh, come take this land that I have over in Costa Rica. Oh, oh, you, oh you, you mean you can't, but I use your money? <laughs> oh, I, I hope I'm not giving out too much. Guys, let's wise up. Things are changing in the real estate market. It's not the way it used to be. Fixing and flipping is great. I started there. But if you fix flip and you made $50,000, how far does $50,000 go? How far would 50000 get you? It's like the drug game. You bought drugs. You sold drugs. You get the money to do what? You got to buy, buy more, more drugs. drugs. <laughs> you bought a house, flipped the house, made money in the house. What? Now you got to buy another house. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I love the fact you want to get into multi-units, but I just need you to have euphoria thoughts mm -hmm. to the point where they're really big, really big and really scary. And then you'll be in the right space in the right place. Love it, man. Yo, we want to say thank you to everybody. Just give me all, just show all the super chats. Go on, throw all the super chats again, man. Shouts out to everybody that gave some super chats. We really appreciate the support. We appreciate the love. Um, and th this keeps us going, man. It just makes, makes us more exciting to come bring more information back 
next Friday, man. Listen, uh, I think this is a really, really good conversation. It's going to help a lot of people. A lot of people. So, listen, y'all, I want to say thank you to our guests who came through. All right. My guests came through and uh, just just came to, to, to really give value to you all, man. So make sure you're following them on Instagram. Uh, we'd love to have you close us out with a word of wisdom. Uh, we're going we gonna to start with Storm Leroy, and we gonna have, you got to close us out real strong, all right? So <laughs> let everybody know how they can support you, how they can yeah. follow you, and give us a word of wisdom. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at I am Storm Leroy. I am Storm Leroy. Also, my community is called Millionaire Magnets. I need you to believe that you are a millionaire mentally and you're a magnet to attract everything. So you go to IamAMillionaireMagnet.com. IamAMillionaireMagnet.com. Get access to my community. And, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I'll see you guys on the other side of this. <laughs> there we go. And everybody, I'm so happy to be here with you all. It has been a whirlwind. I, like everybody said, I am a month. I'm within my first month of being a full-time entrepreneur. It can happen. Two years ago, I was asking my best friend's mom if I could crash because I had nowhere to go and no money to pay rent anywhere. And when my mindset changed, when my focus changed, when my grind really set in, my life has completely changed in two and a half years and yours can too. As long as you invest in yourself, you are focused, you take every opportunity and you too can be an entrepreneur just like us. You can follow me at Magnificent. That is on all social media platforms. You can also follow the podcast Sisters Who Kill. That is Sisters Who Kill pod podcast sisters who kill everywhere and we drop an episode every friday where you can figure out who is this week's murderess i love mm. it i love Woo! it man thank y'all so much listen man if you you gotta you gotta follow these two okay watch their journey they're gonna continue to progress because they've been continuing to progress and that trend is not slowing down anymore so uh, i'm so honored to have you all on the show right now in this year 2023 because in 2024 2025 2030 i'll be able to say listen i sat down with them when they was broke not broke you feel me <laughs> listen this, this, this where they at regular money regular, regular following regular, regular. come on man just fresh off a job listen, okay <laughs> i wish i could have sat down with, with with oprah when she was like a multi-millionaire i'm like yo i remember when she was broke y'all she made her first couple million now she's a billionaire so thank y'all so much for stopping through the Thank social you. proof podcast hey make sure you you subscribe to the social proof podcast on all platforms okay all your podcast platforms social proof podcast um also join the morning meetup the morning meetup.com we join the call every single morning i'm on a call every morning with aspiring entrepreneurs from around the country and I'm giving them game, giving them the information I got. I bring other speakers on. Can y'all come on the call one day? Absolutely. Can I get y'all on? Okay. Oh, y'all heard it. Look, they be great for momentum, Mom. Oh, we are we gonna bring it back? Oh, for sure. Next we, week. Next week. Let's I'm go. Down. I'm down. Let's go. So thank y'all so much. Like, subscribe. Next week we're gonna be introducing um, memberships on YouTube. Okay. We really want to build a community around this YouTube channel. So, uh, thank y'all so much. Like share, subscribe. We out here. Peace. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with spot me, 
and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.